Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies. My name is Brent Frain. I'm the host. Today is part three of Disability for Dummies. The show is also known as PWD uh, Allies Podcast. Check out your favorite podcast where you find it best suited for you. And uh, listen when you're on the go. Today, I have our great panel joining us as usual. And we're going to dive into a lot of well, is there factional um, statements? There's funny statements. I mean, depends on if you think they're funny. I mean, disability for dummies is not funny. It's a lived experience. Uh, but hey, um, you know, it's uh, it's like the old book. I remember uh, the uh, the DOS, uh, Neil. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, the whole point of doing this is is to, you know, we we always take the kind of the lighter side of things on the show, like on purpose, right? I mean, you kind yeah. of attract people with honey, so, so to speak. But yeah. this whole thing has got a serious, I mean, it's got a serious bend to it, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's presented in a, in a fun way, but we're we're talking about, you know, serious statements here. Um, well, it's like I got the pink unicorn sit behind me. I mean, that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, quite a serious, um, you know, statement when people say, well, what does he have a pink unicorn sit behind him? I mean, maybe uh, for our listeners and our viewers watching live today, uh, maybe go quickly before we dive into our, our series today, tell them about the pink unicorn. Why Why is why is there a pink well, unicorn? Well, ac- actually, Brent, that actually is going to be uh, statement number 15. So we could actually oh. leave that for... Sure. Uh, yeah. We can actually leave that for next week, actually, because yeah, okay. that, that's going to be that's going to be one of the, the statements. But for anybody oh. that's that's been a longtime follower of the channel, uh, they know they know that I love talking about pink, pink unicorns, but I'm, I'm just going to leave that for yep. next week because okay. we're going to devote a whole, a whole uh, segment to that one. So we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll wait for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something to look forward to. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 again, the, the way we're doing this is, is it's basically, we're just talking about true statements and it, it's kind of captain obvious true statements. And um, mm. the way I wanted to envision it is, is, like I said, speed dating, going around and around as as many times as we wanted to, and and kind of get like think about going through an art museum where you're looking at a painting on a wall and saying, "What does that painting mean to you?" Same same thing. We can mm-hmm. we can say like, "What does that statement mean to you?" and 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 give your Cole's notes uh, knee jerk reaction to what what a particular statement is, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea of the show. Like, you know, very very simple. Uh, Captain Obvious thing, uh, and we'll go we'll go through all these. And so, last week we we went through um, we went through statements one through five. I, I can go through a quick rundown of one through five, sure. And and then then we'll just go right into uh, great uh, six through ten today. But uh, so we had last week 
if if you wanted to tune in to last week's one, we had uh, the moral compass check. Any claim that vulnerable and disabled are well taken care of is false. That was uh, statement number one. Number two was having a dis disability is hard. Number three is disability is an added personal expense. The fourth statement, a disability life is worth living. And uh, the fifth statement was P uh, provincial PWD shelter allowance of $375 or $500 per month is discriminatory. So those are the five things we covered. So if that sounds interesting to anybody, they can go back and rewatch uh, the one from last week. Uh, mm -hmm. So having said that, we'll go on to statement number six. And I don't know if anybody has uh, cheated and looked looked ahead, but uh, I've got them all um, copied at the bottom of the video here already. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're on the um, previous videos we've done as well. Uh, so anybody can cheat and, and follow along if they want. Yeah. Uh, but here we, <laughs> here we go with uh, statement number six. Are you ready? All right. Uh, disability income support is an obligation, not charity. So again, disability income support is an obligation, not charity. What is, uh, anybody want to jump in first on that? I'll go. Um, so with um, being in Ontario, I, I went and read a bunch of old essays from like the 90s about disability. So basically, they had an overflow of people that are on welfare, Ontario Works, with the disability. So they made the disability program. But they came with their biases. They came with their judgments. It wasn't like they made the new program with new people. They just trained the Ontario Works people to handle the disability file. So that's why a lot of us have issues with our caseworkers, because they're coming in with a pre-programmed negative judgmental view of person with disabilities because the program is trained that way the program is generally like it's it's generational program to look at a person with a disability as if they're lazy or as if they don't try hard enough because the government designed it that way the government literally designed it in a way that was set up to fail and then yeah. they added the other things so like how you can work and earn an income while on ODSP and then how they gradually increase the assets and they gradually increase the income threshold for um, working is because they like it's a way they designed it quickly because there's overflow and then they as they got feedback and complaints then they designed it more for the needs of the people that are using the program but the like the older caseworkers they're still there they're still feeding that negative negative messaging they're still feeding that negative um like like set up to fail mentality because mm -hmm. they're not retiring <laughs> and they're yeah, training no, agree, they're training the new people so if they train the new people they come up with the same thing where like i said it last week when i was in the office and i had to photocopy my invoices and receipts from my business and the two caseworkers from ow not even the odsp section so like the wellesley location has their own computers brand new computers they can use to access services a lot of people just go there and use like for emails and things like that but as i'm using their computer that my caseworker told me to go use the photocopier they're hovering over me that i'm using too much paper mm -hmm. when really yeah. i should have just like tell them to leave me alone my caseworker said i can use the computer yeah 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 most definitely uh, anybody else want to jump in Sure. Um, I can. I'll, I'll jump in next very briefly. Um, 
Yeah, I, you know, it's legislated poverty, um, you know, just to kind of uh, not even sugarcoat it, uh, just call it what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly, Minnie, like you nailed it exactly. Almost some of the words that I'm going to use now is um, these, these programs were designed uh, purposely to to fail the uh, the disabled people and people on income assistance. Um, you know, in my view, um, they should be two separate offices um, to handle the caseloads for, uh, you know, whichever province that a person is in in Canada, they, they may call it a different number, a different name, like OW or in BC, they, they call it uh, um, employment, uh, employment in income assistance. Uh, um, so, yeah, there's different names, but it's still the same thing. It's either income assistance or welfare or whatever. And I guess the, I don't like to use the word welfare, but they should have two separate offices. Uh, and again, like nobody. And they did at one point in uh, did. BC did for, for a very short while they had. <laughs> yeah. And I, too. So Toronto used to have separate OW yeah. offices and separate ODSP offices. And then they merge when yes, they built it they built them with the work centers, like the, like the one at Wellesley has the computer center and more bigger rooms, like a first floor and a second floor. And mm -hmm. without, you know how the tables in the middle of the room and the caseworkers on the opposite side, mm -hmm. as it, some of them were prisons. So it's not like they well, didn't build new buildings. They, they used existing buildings and they, and if it was a prison, they had that weird table with the glass on it. Mm -hmm. It was set up to make you feel worse than you are yeah. because if you're talking to a caseworker through a glass, you don't feel good about it. Yeah. And then you're yelling through the glass, so you sound angrier. Like yeah. the environment mm -hmm. was already toxic from begin from the beginning, and they mm -hmm. put more like, they put assistance in a toxic environment. Yeah. Yeah, and and having to prove why you need continued um, assistance going forward, um, you have to exhaust all avenues. Uh, or do you qualify for EI? Uh, have you? Can you prove that you qualified for EI? Can you submit the documentation from EI? So you go there. Yeah, sorry, you don't qualify. Now you take it back to them. Uh, you know, it's it's demeaning, uh, and that that's kind of my my take on it. Um, we'll we'll dive more into that topic uh, for sure. Dan's got his hand up. You want to go, go yeah. ahead, Dan? Yeah, I was just going to say, great to see you all again. Good to meet uh, Minnie there. I actually know the office, the exact office that Minnie speaks of. Uh, during my times being homeless in the streets of Toronto, it's right at the corner of Jarvis and Wellesley there. Um, I was on an OW and ODSP for approximately 18 years total. Uh, but it, it was through different times. So I was on OW through the years of Mike Harris. And anybody that knows those years know uh, the simple fact is there was no wraparound services, no programs. Uh, he cut them all in half and there was absolutely nothing there for anybody. So when it comes to obligation or charity, I think, you know, are we giving to provide for others? Absolutely. But I, I, I am a firm believer, you guys know, and we'll talk later. Um, like, I think we're obligated as humans to, to ensure that all that want to thrive have the tools to thrive. Um, so, and, and I agree with many a hundred percent that that office can chaotic at times is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. MJ, go ahead. Well, Thanks, you know, and the other problem we have, you know, you know, for, for a lot of us is, you know, with the amount of stress that we deal with, it's like these people are 
you know, because I was, you know, at one point I was going to deal with work BC over, you know, uh, you know, trying to do something. And basically it's like, oh, somebody's feelings got hurt. So I shouldn't use their services anymore. And it's like, you know, and I, and I said, you know, you're, you know, I'm sorry, but as an adult, that's your problem. You know, worry about your hurt feelings. Don't worry. Don't sit here and say that I got to go and worry about your hurt feelings. If you get hurt feelings, it's on you as an adult. And the problem I have is, you know, it's like, you know, with the stress that we, you know, and anguish that we deal with, you know, quite literally, you know, most of the times are trying to access services, trying to deal with government contracted services that they put together is they make it so that quite literally it's like by the time you finally get to dealing with somebody, you've been run around, you know, you've gone through hoops and hoops and hoops and hoops. And you just, by the time you're there, it's like, it's like the amount of time that you've wasted to get from point A to even point B, you haven't even gotten to Z, you know, yeah. it's like the amount of time you waste at these <laughs> programs. So, so they can justify their employment and their numbers, right? They're not actually even helping you. They're just going, Oh, we just want to see if we, you know, your assessment to see where you are. It's like, we know where we're at. We don't need more assessment. You know, yeah. we don't need <laughs> to sit here and run through the ringer of having to go through more programs and more assessments and more things and more that before yeah. you even go and come to the point of where, Oh, I'm sorry, we can't help you. It's like, you know, it's like, to me, it's like you're sitting here and you're trying to go and deal with the fact that you've got next to no money to deal with. Then we try to reach out for help. If somebody's worried about nonsense and it's like, to me, it's like, you know, so it's like, no wonder why a lot of us just say, you know what, forget it. We'll just sit here and not even bother trying to go and do anything. You know, even when the workers go and say, oh, have you tried accessing work BC? Yeah, I have. You know what? Mm-hmm. They're worried about hurt feelings. They're not worried about helping. They're worried about justifying their existence. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's it used, not- to bug, oh, used to bug me about the, oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to quickly say, on. Uh, it used to bug me having to uh, wait outside in the rain, you know, for sometimes like a full hour or more yeah. uh, outside the offices. And it's just like, you know, I got better things to do than just sit out here in the rain for yeah. for an hour or more uh, just because you don't want to like have me come into your office you know and then anyway wow. so go, go go ahead Ellen. well there's a um we we've always come face to face with ableism at almost every turn and is nothing worse than going to see a worker because you have to or or you need to only to be attacked in brute force by that able, same ableism while they sit there going, we need to make this a safe space. If you're going to be uh, angry and, and, and emotional, we're asking that you tone it down so our staff feel safe. Well, how about me feeling safe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I try and stay away from the office as much as possible. If I can use my benefits... Um, to uh, resolve an issue, whether it's reporting something or or uh, submitting something, I'll do it because um, as nice as my current worker is, that that slam in the face of ableism the moment you walk in is enough. I would say I got enough ableism in the community. Thanks so much. I don't need to walk into a building full of ableism. I got a whole bag of ableism with your name on it, buddy. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like, 
It's that Dr. Evil. I got a whole bag of shh with your name on it. You know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. But instead yeah. of shh, it's ableism. And you're like, I'm like, I'm drowning on dry land in this stuff. Like, like I got enough. If I report, if I post something on, uh, it's it's not been so bad lately on Twitter, but last year it was pretty bad where I post something on Twitter and I'm getting all these blocks and and so forth, like attacking me because I'm advocating for something. I'm like, holy smokes. Yeah. So um I'm I'm tired of of uh these uh workers who are making eighty, ninety grand a year uh suddenly throwing that that blanket of ableism at me the moment I'm requesting something or I need to get information or something. So that's my rant. Thanks, thanks, Ellen. Okay, everybody's uh, had a chance to get it, go at this once. Does anybody? That was your turn, Neil. Uh, Well, I kind of already uh, did my uh, thing. I, you know, what I took, we talked, we put the word charity in there too because. I mean, we can talk about um, we can talk about food banks too. How how food banks are? I mean, they they are a necessary thing, and and some of them are good, but the fact that they exist means that again that our social is a failure system, in the system. Yeah, our social system system is set up like a charity. It's proof that it's set up like a charity that you have other systems like the the um you know the food banks that are needing to to uh pull up the slack of what the government's not wanting to do right so mm-hmm. that that's part of what uh what I wanted to include the word uh, obligation and charity in there and when I when I came up with that statement I was kind of um you know uh poking a hole in the the whole idea of the food banks cuz because I yeah I, you can see that food banks are important and some of them are good, but mm-hmm. and at, at the end of the day it's they they prop up the they prop up the failure of uh, of what the government's doing or not doing right. Mm-hmm. It's well, a lack I mean, of accountability. It, it, yeah. Examples a lack of com- accountability on behalf of the people who say they're going to fund and support. It's like, well, aren't, it's that old saying for Ebenezer Scrooge: Aren't there any workhouses? Aren't there any blah blah blah, etc., etc., etc. So, food banks have just become a crutch that the government can say, "Hey, well, we're helping people." We're so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, food banks were never supposed to be a fixture in society. Uh, they were supposed to be a, as a temporary measure uh, after the World War II. And uh, I mean, there were soup kitchens, and then they introduced uh, food banks. Uh, my always, I always stand behind my view on it is you give people the uh, the resources and the tools and uh, the, the financial services, and they can make the best decisions that's best for them going forward. Um, but uh, Keeping mm-hmm. rates uh, well below subpar, below a uh, standard of living, um, then uh, yeah, it goes to show that people need food banks because yeah, like you said, Neil. I mean, there are some good food banks, yeah, for sure. Like there's there's community kitchens, uh, there's places that people go to. But you know, kitchens if, or churches or that's yeah. that's great. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on board for that. But yeah. 
but to 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 force people and say you know we're not going to give you enough for food so therefore you must you to know, go to food banks and you don't get all the nutritional yeah, stuff from food yeah, banks that uh, people need yeah. for their for their conditions also minnie's got her minnie's got her hand up you can go yeah, ahead go for it go for it minnie yeah so like food banks it's a weird thing so i went to two food banks and both times I got food poisoning when I ended up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then as you're in the hospital, because they're trying to figure out what's wrong with you. And then you see the doctor and they're telling you, you need to um, increase your diet and exercise. It's always a thing when you go through um, CAMH emergency room and they do the assessment and they're trying to figure out how you're sleeping, how you're eating. And then the, the doctor does the blood work or whatever they're looking at your iron and all your things in your blood. Mm -hmm. And if your primary food is the food bank, they're not looking at a well-balanced diet of all your vitamins and minerals. Like my mom told me that I probably need to have digestive enzymes, just supplement mm -hmm. because right. my medication caused a lot of stomach issues. And I'm like, okay, great. That's going to cost me like $15 a month just to get the pills. Yeah. Because wow. And then to follow the instructions on the supplements, one of them says take two pills three times a day, and there's 180 pills, and you do the math, you're buying two of them every single time. Oh my gosh. And then vitamin D is not covered under OHIP. It's actually 50 or $60 to do the vitamin D test in your lab work, unless your doctor magically just checks the box already covered under insurance. Mm -hmm. And then the prescription for vitamin D is like $16 for the eight weeks, nine weeks of one pill a week. And then you do your blood work again. And the doctor's like, your vitamin D is still low. You still need a higher prescription. That's not covered under ODSP. It's not covered under Ontario Healthcare. You literally have to apply for the exceptional access program to get that covered. And it's just your basic, my body has these irons and minerals that need supplementing because my diet, I can't afford my diet on a regular daily basis. Mm -hmm that everyone said they know it affects your your weight gain your heart everything oh yeah i'll go to the food bank and it's always processed food that has expiry dates like i'm literally now trying to use the canned soup because it expires this year and right. only way to make it edible i have to add in a cup of cooked rice on top of it to make it yeah. edible and i really there's not there's not any food in it like the level the beef one has like three pieces of beef what are you supposed to do with that yeah yeah. Like, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, right. like I'm actually better off to learn to cook with the whole chicken make my vegetables actually cook but then if you don't know how to cook and don't know how the actual pots and pans to do it properly you're not even cooking your food properly because you don't have the utensils and the proper kitchen to cook yourself properly and with housing the situation with housing not everyone has a proper kitchen with running water in Canada which makes yeah. no sense that's another barrier huge barrier we're trying to say have yeah. housing, but some of the housing don't even have a full kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I looked at uh, all, the, all the water. All the water now belongs to Nestle. Yeah. I looked. No, I looked at three and batches. Doing... And... Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, uh, MJ. You had your hand up. Yeah, I mean, and that and that's the thing is one of the one of the things that I've really realized about this whole. Uh, welfare disability homelessness issue is it has actually become an industry to you know, keep people in this predicament of being dis you know in disabled welfare homelessness it's to keep the perpetuous 
a perpetual cycle going so all of these people can have their large paying jobs and making sixteen, eighty thousand dollars a year at the top. Well, other one, everyone else might volunteer at this organization, but they're getting a great paycheck, you know. And this is the problem that we see is all of these organizations are designed to keep the perpetual motion machine going and not actually solve the problem. I mean, and this is why, you know, when I was already doing my calculations on what it would be for, like, for example, for your uh, universally available basic income, I started off at $2,000. Okay. I started at $2,000 and I started doing the real math and I started to figure out what the real math is. And it's about $4,000 per person in this day and age. It's Mm -hmm. not a, you know, and that's to be able to go and be able to go and have a roof over your head, buy groceries, you know, that are actually good groceries that aren't about to expire. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, all of this stuff, it's like, you know, people are forced to go and buy meat that's uh, within three days of, of uh, expiring. Then they have to freeze it. Then they only cook portions at a time so yeah. they can go and uh, have actual meat. It's <laughs> absolutely nuts how this system has been designed to keep this poverty going in such a way that it actually causes more harm than good. And, and the real problem I find is when you bring these up to politicians, all you get is just nothing but perfunctory lip service all over again saying, oh, yeah, we're looking at the problem. We're going to solve the problem. We'll get to it. It's on our agenda, you know, and it's like there's, you know, it's like and it's a continuous slap in the face, you know, to people that are disabled, that are trying to get their life going or try, you know, that are have been hard, hurt at work and trying to go and reset after not being able to work in that same job again and partially disabled. This is the problem is they make it so difficult for you to go move ahead that they put more barriers in the way of you being able to have achievement in your life and not being on the system. You know, so you're stuck sitting here having to go and play all of their games and then you end up going and fighting with them and then they go, oh, well, if you don't do this, don't do that. We're going to cut you off. And they do this. You know, so that even adds more stress to people's lives of this threat of being made homeless. Well, your comment, uh, MJ, actually leads really well into the next statement, which is which is uh, seven. the, The seventh statement, political solutions to disability need to be more nuanced. So instead of. uh MJ taking this one right right away though. I'll, we'll see if anybody else wants to jump in. Political solutions to disability need to be more nuanced. That's the next statement. Anybody want to take a stab at that one? Yeah, so sure. I don't I don't quite I don't quite know what nuanced means, but uh, political say it again. Political statements. Uh, sorry. Uh, political solutions to disability needs to be more nuanced. Yeah, so I, I, I substitute I, a word, a different word. Uh, I'm a bit foggy on. Uh, I, I can here. I'll I'll actually pull up the definition for nuance. I know what it means, but I'll Use give the you the word proper customize. Definition. Use the word okay. Customize. So, so the touch customize, sure. Customize is good. Yeah. That's okay. good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan. Emily. Yeah, so to touch on it, first off, just very quickly, when it comes to food banks, I agree with what everybody said. Minnie's exactly right. Nutritional value is zero next to nil because everybody has different needs, so we got to take that into consideration. 
And what MJ said is correct too, because I've been saying it for decades. It's all a fucking business. I have a problem here, especially in the city of Toronto. Many might know about this as others will too. When our food bank guy, the guy that takes care of the daily bread food bank is third on the sunshine list, making $350,000 a year. That's a problem to me, right? When it comes to the political side of disabilities and such, there's not a politician in the fucking world other than a few that have had disabilities that are going to give you any viable solutions to any of this. It has to be either lived experience at the table or, or the, the lived experience of everybody giving the solutions at the table to come up with them. Because, they're, they're, come on, man, Pierre Polyev, Justin Trudeau, whatever, they're going to come up with the solution to the CDB or something else without our help. They're going to come up with a UBI without MJ or anybody else's help. It's not going to happen like that, right? So, yeah, politically, the two words political and disabilities just aren't jiving together right now because it's a proven fact that our premier in Ontario don't give two shits about anybody that's on disability or that has any form of disability whatsoever, and we're on our own. So we got to come up with the solutions, and these tables are doing it great. Like, like I don't know about UBI. How am I going to come up with it without hearing about information from MJ? You know what I'm saying? So working together and yada, yada, you know, that's the only way to get it done. Nuanced, by the way, I looked it up. It just is another word for subtle uh, subtleties, uh, more more subtlety. Yeah, go Thank ahead, you. Brent. Go ahead, Brent. Uh, yeah, um, I'll just quickly summarize it too. Uh, my my view on it is it comes down to political choice, right? So it doesn't matter who's in power; it's their choice on what they how they dictate on um, what rates should be, what policies should be. Um, and you're you're right. You're bang on, Dan, because uh, on that is it comes down to lived experience for persons with disabilities in Canada um, or anybody on low income, uh, anybody living in uh, precarious housing, whatever it may be, they're accessing food banks. It comes down to autonomy. That person making choices for themselves at the table. They, it comes down to the autonomy of themselves, them making the choices, not government. Like we tell the government what we want. And if they're not listening to us, it really means, and, and there's a problem. There's a problem in a huge systemic problem in the system where they need to be listening to lived experience stories, just like what we're doing when we have guests on, when we're sitting on a panel, we're talking about breaking down uh, a lot of these, these issues and these statements, and we're talking about it in our views. And uh, I encourage people to reach out to your local representatives and let them know, like, you have a voice. Your voice needs to be heard at the table. When they design these programs and services, people's voices need to be heard in part of the consultation process. And because, yeah, like they can they can implement a CDB, uh, who knows when, kick the can down the road, let's just leave it to another government to deal with, um, you know, making decisions that, that they feel is best for, for us or anybody else. Um, no, like people with lived experience need to be at the table. Uh, and yeah, like I'll keep banging that, that horse down the road. I'll keep kicking that can, but I'm going to catch that can and uh, each of us are going to catch it. So that's my view. That's my rant. <laughs> MJ, go ahead. Well, political solutions, it's, you know, I mean, I, you know where I'm standing, you know, and I've <laughs> talked about it multiple times on the program and my, you know, I believe that giving us the independent choice at the level of saying, here's the money, um, you know, there's a group insurance plan. You can join in the group insurance plan. There's three tiers. You can go for the full one. It'll cost you whatever a month, you know, 
and giving us the choice to go and pick where we go instead of having to constantly ask permission at every turn to say, oh, I need to go and get this done. Because in BC, I mean, I'm dealing with going and replacing my CPAP machine, for example, right? And I got to go through rings and hoops just to go and get that done from the government. It's absolutely nuts how much nonsense they've created to go and solve these problems. So it's like a medical issue. Oh, uh, you need, you know, Minnie was saying, it's like she needs vitamins. It's like they don't cover vitamins, but she had four grand a month. She'd be able Mm -hmm. to maybe afford these vitamins and not have to go and run through hoops and ask for permission to go and get more funding and more money, more this, and have to go to doctors to go and show tests and justify all of this nonsense where it's like these government bureaucrats really don't give a crap. They'll just go, eh, well, whatever, we'll just deny you because because we've got a quota, right? Can I can I pretty please be more healthy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, so we're sitting here, you know, and our health keeps going down. And and for many people, it's like, well, we have to, you know, out there they're choosing between, you know, feeding their kids or having a meal. You know, they choose, you know, or they're going and dividing it even smaller so they can go and have enough for tomorrow because they don't have enough. And this is what they've done is creating this perpetual motion of nonsense that goes and keeps us straddling between, you know, being uh, homeless, not eating, you know, in dire stressful desperation and causing us more health problems because of this stress. So I'm gonna land, you know, I'm gonna stop there, and uh, well, yeah. I'll let Minnie jump on here. Yeah, we have yep. Minnie. Go ahead, Minnie. So I thought I like I had a topic in the beginning. So the political and the consultations, because when Canada was changing the prostitution laws, they said they wanted to consult with sex workers. Then the abolishment of sex workers, they we got into a fist fight. <laughs> so <laughs> the level of because, and with what I learned with abolishment of sex work people that want to eradicate it completely, like it doesn't exist, which is stupid because it's going to exist no matter what you do. They hold on to their trauma. So when they they go into political environments and they're doing the consultations, they bring their personal agenda in that room. It's not like they're trying to make something good for everybody involved. They're only doing it for the churches with billions of dollars. The the I'm going to play victim until the end of time. Like there's a certain demographic of people that are controlling the laws that are happening in our country that affect everybody. With and with sex work and disability, it's a huge thing. It's a huge survival thing. Like some people are doing sex work because it's the only way they can supplement their disability income. It's the only way they can go to school. It's like. And it's 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 also the ableism. There's a certain demographic of sex workers that are making a lot of money where they've walked away from disability, or there's that batch who magically find a way to win the lottery every time. Like I had one person email me on the weekend that he won $250,000 from one scratch ticket for his son and he's on ODSP. And I was like, don't tell ODSP anything first, contact the lawyer, then contact a financial planner. But then because he's, making a decision out of fear, he's going to tell the caseworker, they're going to screw up his file and cut him off because the amount of money that he has, instead of giving him time to use it to buy exempt assets or there's a registered disability savings plan, the um, maybe he can buy a house, 
Maybe he can move from his location. Right. Maybe his, his son with a disability can go to school. There's so many things that he could do to move his life forward if the caseworker gives him time to do it and not rush him off the system. So even if you make enough money to get ahead, depending on what caseworker you have at that time, or depending if you contact the lawyer first, then disability changes everything. So it's it's a constant. And then with my health issues, like I gained a lot of weight, I need a breast reduction, oh, hip covered a portion, but the surgeon said it's $15,000. Then my doctor's like, oh, that's too expensive. You should shop around for a cheaper quote. I need a doctor who's going to operate on me because I have a health condition. Mm-hmm. On top of meeting the criteria for surgery, of losing weight, maintaining the weight, and then bras, they're ridiculously expensive. You know, they're $50 or they're $500 for a bra that lasts three months if you're lucky and don't gain weight. A problem that male bodies are not going to have unless they're transgender. Like yeah. the level of nuance and people with the disabilities and if they they have a gender identity on top of their disability, changing their gender costs money that doesn't get covered in the system mm. at all. It's, it's a giant thing if we want people to live their best lives or live their best healthy lives like the there's a financial resilience institute of basically white financial people making studies of people that are trying to be financially resilient that have not not a single person on that our team picture looks like somebody that that looks homeless or was homeless like they they have this polish i'm wearing my business suit i'm like it's 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 pure fraud it's because if you look at Prosper Cannabis, people that work there for this charity, and then look at the hiring page or what they're looking to hire people, it is pure bullshit. It is pure bullshit of these organizations that claim they're helping low income families and they're corporate, they're fully corporate, they're insurance, they're tied to insurance companies, they're tied to billion dollar companies. And they think they're helping us. And because if they help one person, that's their testimonial. That's it. Alan, go ahead, Alan. I think there's a, there's so much gatekeeping out there that I don't even know where to begin. Um, Is it, is it at the ODSP level? Is it at the social service level? Is it at the politicians level? Is it at the corporate level? Like there are just like, Oh, you don't belong here. Go, go to that office. Or you don't, you're not on the right uh, phone one eight hundred number to get this help. You need to call that number. And it's like it becomes this automatically. It's not my problem. Go find help somewhere else, and you get you get trapped in this. And when when you're when you don't even have a phone, <laughs> whether it's a page you go or or a plan, and you're you're uh, left with. Um, going to a resource center where where the phone time is limited or mm. or whatever like it's the whole system is so gatekeeping so that those who are making the real income don't have to uh take accountability at all mm. it is so frustrating it's like we don't we don't like that you're poor but we're not going to do a damn thing to make it different yeah. At all, yeah. and uh, it's. I'm not saying that from a "what was me" perspective. It's just the reality that there's just so much gatekeeping that's been put in place, 
And I'm not just talking whether you're disabled or not. It's just our whole system is a platform of gatekeeping. It's yeah. like it, it reminds me of invisible borders uh, that where, country, where uh, if you were in Russia and you wanted to go to Ukraine, you had to show your paperwork and you had to show a border keeper, except that border keeper is just a policy. It's just, it's not a person. It's now just some policy. It's now some regulation. And you've got to try and navigate it. But I'm going like 80% of it is just a bullshit anyway. Yeah. And and that money could be actually going to people instead of being used uh, to keep people down. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and and the reason we came up with that statement again is about the the nuance of uh, disability is. I mean, we've talked before too of like, uh, you know, that BC used to have a separate ministry, you know, and and Ontario too. That was, that, that, that is what I mean by nuance, but not, now you have things like everybody belongs in the same shit pile. It's like, you know, so so they're not, you know, government and ministries don't kind of, they're not respecting the autonomy of a person. Like, that's not the, that should be kind of front and center. Like, let's, let's treat this person like a person, but, but instead, yeah. they're, like, everybody's treated like a file and it's like, well... You know, mm -hmm. disability is really no better than welfare. It's just basically one and one A, right? That's basically yeah. all it is. Is one and one and one A, and there's no there's no real fine I can't even say delineation <laughs> between the two, right? It's just right. like well, because, it's just like this is shit one, this is shit too. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like one policy, and that the government has created uh, magically, like a pink unicorn, and then they say, well, it it will cover everybody. Right. So it doesn't matter who it is, but that's why they should have separate offices and treat people with dignity and respect and make them give them the uh, the tools to make uh, decisions uh, for themselves. Um, like um, like the discussion was meant uh, was mentioned like, yeah, hey, permission to leave the province. Uh, you know, hey, can I leave the province for, you know, I mean, as long as you are within the country, you should be able to go to and from whatever province you want, as long as you want without permission that should without, be very easy to do yeah without the fear of being cut off like i mean really like, like yeah that's well that's, even that's, even right. even if you go to a funeral in in like the province over or even within the same province if you're not under your roof for x amount of days mm -hmm. like let's say you got to be away 10 days because it's it's three days of travel there and back, and then the rest of it you're spending with the family or the funeral or the event itself. If you're 10 days out, like you will be deducted 10 wow. days into the next month. That's terrible. Those days you're not under your roof. Like um, these, these guys, like these premiers like Doug Ford, have made it um, so impossible to. Um, it's so punitive just mm -hmm. to breathe. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, me. It was 2006 when my grandmother died. It was in, The funeral was in Jamaica. I was there for two weeks. I wasn't thinking, oh, go ask the caseworker for permission. Yeah. My yeah. family wanted me there. I'm trying to do with trauma in that country. I'm trying to figure out where I can stay, where I feel the safest. 
It was yeah. it was a nightmare. And then when I came back, luckily my mom kept the boarding pass. The only thing they didn't ask for was a death certificate of my grandmother. Like the mm-hmm. level of um they want to keep tabs on you. It's like they a level of business, just trust, like, right? And then my business is my business is based in the United States. And when they do a conference and I'm missing out on training, I'm missing out on, on advancement, I'm missing on the ability to making more income because I have to tell a disability, oh, I need to travel for business to, to hopefully make an income that they're going to question if it's actually towards my business or not. Like they made a sec- separate policy in self-employment and ODSP. If you travel for business, they need to show direct receipts that you made a profit or a loss from the travel before they recognize the expenses you paid for the travel. That's not in the CRA. CRA says if you're going to travel for um, business conferences, you're going to claim two of them for the year. That is it. You would think ODSP would just copy that rule, copy yeah. that tax law, but they're not even copying the exact same tax law to make it easier. They make it double. I have to think twice as much being self-employed and being on ODSP that I don't have to do with the CRA at all. Because there's so much rent. And, and, and I, I, I can bet you um, a buck that those workers that go to and conferences. And they don't understand it. It's not like the worker <laughs> actually understands all my business expenses or my receipts. If I go to Cabo for a conference, they're going to wonder, why are you in Cabo? Not that I'm there to actually learn anything. And they're going to be like, oh, you have to record your conference so we prove that you're there. I, I, I don't do that because they're stupid. Like the way that my conference could be anywhere in the world because I'm working with big million-dollar companies in the entertainment industry that I've been in since 2003, that the only reason I lost my status, recognition, and awards is because I got sick. That's the only, I would be a millionaire by now if I did not have my disability. That is where my upset, that is where I hate the government. That is where I hate the fact that I have to prove to them and go through employment supports and make another business plan for a business that's already running. I was already running the business and they're like, oh, prove it to me that you're confident in running your business. They, they, they don't understand. They think I'm talking to a 22 year old caseworker right now who doesn't understand anything. Yeah. Wow. This is a twenty-year-old that barely came out of college that doesn't understand a word of what I'm doing in my business. It's time for them to update their scripts, I guess. MJ, do you want to pipe in? Right. You know, I mean, and this is where, you know, you know, I'm trying not to yell at the screen here. It's just, <laughs> I know frustration, but it, it just, it just <laughs> it's. You know, I mean, trying to keep a little bit of humor, you know, in all of this is yeah. is getting very difficult, it's hard. really. It's hard. It is. You know, and, you know, this is why, to me, I like, you know, when I started looking at all of this stuff and looking at UBI, and it's like, I looked at the website for, you know, another competing group, UBI Works, and they want to run it exactly like unemployment, right? Where you got to report your income, and the more income you earn, the, the less money you get from the government. So it's like... Huh. Like you really, you just want to duplicate a current system and make in and have people run through more hoops. I mean, this is the type of thinking that's being offered to our government for ideas and solutions. And I'm sorry, but when I see these ideas and solutions that are designed to add more paperwork, more government workers, more nonsense, and more hoops that people have to jump through, it, it gets to this point where it's like, you know, 
honestly, the idea to me is like, here's the money, take it or leave it. If you want to go and buy, the, buy some blow and put it up your nose for your four grand a month, fine and dandy. And, you know, if you're, if you want to get your life together, or if you need to buy a wheelchair, you need to save up to buy a motorized scooter, you know, like, you know, or whatever it is, or you need to go and buy $250 worth of uh, vitamins a month and all the rest of this stuff, you'd be able to do this without ever having to ask permission to ever have to fight with these people without having to go and say, Warden, can I leave the province for, for seven days to go to a funeral? I mean, the idea is, you know, it's like, let's stop trying to find ways and reasons to harass and abuse people and to sit there and make them so they get to the point where it's like, what's the point? You know, this is why you got the government going offering made to people that are disabled now. You know, they, well, this is what they want to push is, oh, your life's not worth living. You're disabled. You might as well just go and cancel it. You know, it, yeah. it's the level of of insanity and abusive behavior from our own government towards people to devalue people that are disabled or have a uh, mental health disorder or have some form of disability is gotten so disgusting and out of hand. It's mm-hmm. I really can't find the words to say without being verbally abusive to really? you know and have and have a verbally yeah. outrageous response to I, think, I think uh, I think MJ one of the reasons that there are so many people opposed to the UBIs and stuff is they're looking down the barrel of not having a job and that that eighty thousand a year they're making uh for basically pushing some documents around on the computer screen just terrifies them to the core. Mm-hmm. So right. they'll do anything to gatekeep anything. Well, right, and, and you know, and I've already calculated uh, the uh, about uh, two million government employees across the nation mm-hmm. that would be out of a job with the program that I offer, and it's mm-hmm. not personal. Well, it is personal for me, but it's not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I've talked about that before. It's like you know, it, it's like you you guys have gotten in the way of giving people the progress. It's like, you know, unemployment. Oh, you were fired or you quit. I'm sorry. You've paid in for the last three years, but you you don't qualify. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like the gatekeeping on that. It's like, if it's insurance, then it should be paid as insurance. You know, you're insured. Mm-hmm. You got this move forward. Okay. Take the money, but no, they've made all of this gatekeeping to the point of where, it's like they're deliberately trying to go and put people into a state of homelessness, uh, fear, uncertainty, doubt, and panic, and to the point of where they've they give up, right? And this mm-hmm. is why we have so many homeless people out on the street, is because these gatekeepers sit there and say, "Oh, if you don't comply by this date, we're going to cut you off." And you're already dealing with a person with a serious mental health right. disorder. A lot of these people have schizophrenia bipolar disorder and other disorders out there that are very complex and nuanced to go and understand to work with these people right Mm -hmm. and they don't Mm -hmm. care they don't simply care i have a quota i have to do my job you know this is just the way it is Mm -hmm. you know and you know the fact that they you know the provinces are now going and demanding that uh, we put a halt on this idea of expanding made is a good thing in a way because you know, you see a lot of these people, you know, that they make destitute like us looking at that as a way out because they just can't take this anymore. 
we are in a very sad state of affairs in this nation. Extremely sad. Yeah, and you're our- totally sorry, sorry, MJ. You're talking about made and and uh, we actually want so bad to bring uh, Neil Belanger from BC Ann's on on the show because he seems to have his ear to the ear to the ground about that kind of stuff. And 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 what I like about I mean, I'm I'm not even on Twitter anymore, but I still see his tweets, even though I'm not on Twitter. And uh, what I like about what he puts out there is it's not inflammatory stuff. Like it's not it's not stuff that's clickbait. You know, he just he just says something that's very matter of fact about about uh, made. He just puts it out there and lets it lets it sit there. And 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 that's why I, I really want to get him on to talk about because he seems to kind of know what's going on with all that. And I, I'd really like to have him on the show soon. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, because it's a very important, uh, you know, uh, topic that uh, needs to be dived into uh, from, uh, from uh, Neil uh, Belanger. Um, yeah. I, I follow uh, everything that uh, is going on with it. Uh, you know, seeing mm-hmm. uh, what he's, what he's posting out. Uh, I mean, there's a pushback obviously from the government now realizing, Oh, we screwed up. Oh, and people are actually dying. Really? Uh, well, you know, there's a, it's a policy choice again, right? Um, that should never have come down that rabbit hole, right? It, it should never. People who are suffering in their lives for no fault of their own, uh, when it comes down to like tools or the financial resources and the tools, people with disabilities are, should be given the resources that they need to help them with with their with their. Um, you know, with their life. Um, uh, I'm not saying that people should not have the right. I mean, and, you know, again, I mean, people should have the right to, I guess, uh, whatever decision they want to make. But if it's because it comes down to that, they're lacking the uh, the financial resources, putting a roof over their head, giving them the uh, financial security, giving them the food uh, resources that they need, uh, rather than going to a food bank and all the above. And I think the government's now realized, uh-oh, Ooh. but I don't hear any, I hear mm-hmm. not even hear crickets regarding the CDB at all. I, yeah. I think that it's going to be a political little uh, carrot trick of saying, well, we have your best interest vote for us because, Hey, we're going to get this through. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Like they, it's already, it's already the barn. It, people have already left the barn yeah. already. Like the cattle's out there. I just give everybody, I don't know what, what version of a basic income it needs to be, but I think something like a something solid ground, going forward is going to help people um, with that because right now it's just, um, yeah, it's not working. Um, and I think that it's just, it's a whole systemic issue. And that's why I want to get Neil on. Uh, he can dive right into all this stuff. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Anna, no, the other, the other Neil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, the, the shovel. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dive, dive over to you uh, there. Uh, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say very quickly. Uh, first, like uh, I understand about the gatekeeper talk and homelessness and stuff, but that's not what causes homelessness. What causes homelessness is mental health issues, addictions. Do they perpetuate it? Do they push it on, kick the can down the road? Absolutely. But more importantly, though, just in case you never heard, because I don't know if you guys have heard or not, um, made uh, is actually this uh, this morning announced on the news that that March deadline for the MAID uh, with regards to people with mental health uh, uh, issues has been mm-hmm. called off. 
Um, yeah. They didn't make oh. the deadlines in time, so it's a it can, it's going to be a conversation that continues, obviously. Yeah. But it's actually been called off, and it was announced this morning on the news. So, oh, okay. yeah, thank, I, I, for, I knew I knew that, that actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. they know they're not. They know that we we walked into a complete shit show, and it's. I mean, Made was giving for the last two years. Made has been giving me serious PTSD, where I'm like, I'm I'm having nightmares of extreme outcomes. Um, you know, uh, as far yeah. as which I know will never happen. It's just that this yeah. being a creative person, this. There's a constant film rolling in my head, no matter what I do, to to offset it. So, um, you know, maybe I've I've seen too many of those adjustment bureau type movies where, where people are told, "Hey, uh, if you come into this into the new city, we'll we'll set you up in an apartment where you're really being sent down on a conveyor belt." So, uh, um, I I've probably seen too one too many of those, but. The whole idea of made and eugenics and being and extended into the mental health really, um, I think it's a fear tactic that's been used um, for people who um, who do have mental health and PTSD already. Um, let's make them afraid of what could come if 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 they're not voted in. Um, and someone told me that. Um, a a tool to get people to do to comply in a certain way is much easier to do with fear than it is to do with encouragement. Yeah. So I'm glad that they paused the the maid to look at it deeper because I think it needs to be. I think there needs to be an aid, an aid uh, implemented before there's a maid. I mean. In in ne- the Netherlands, they've been offering made in, in mental health uh, for years, but it's a last resort because right. they actually have aid. Like, hey, we can make your life better, but if you still want to off, you know, we can do that too. But they're they're saying like, hey, we can subsidize your rent. We can do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. To make sure that you're eating and you have a roof over your head before yeah. you opt for the for the final transition, um, and we need to do that in Canada desperately because yeah. it's a slippery slope if we don't. It it, it is just yeah. it's it's Absolutely. a slope that in ten years from now we're going to be deeply regretting if it's if it's implemented without real checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not providing the non-killing option is, yeah. is right. egg, on, egg on the face yeah. of the government, right? Well, there, because yeah. there, there's a big organization, that, um, uh, Neil uh, from BCNs had posted, There's, a, of course, there's pushback from a big organization. It's uh, dying with dignity. And, of course, they, they're they pushing back against it right now. It's probably foaming at the mouth, right? Because the government's now put a, an indefinite pause on it. And so now they're going to push back their agenda and saying why the reasons why they want to push forward. Right. I can see that pushback. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the government actually says, no, we're taking a stance. This is what we're doing. And government, if you're listening to this, you need to take that stance. Listen to I, the- I think the, I think the liberals are trying to cover their ass, too, by pausing it, because in 10 years, if they went ahead with it 
as as they were planning to. It looking back ten years from now, they could be seen as the uh, as the party that followed the Nazis in World mm. War Two. And I'm not saying they did or they had, no, but no. the perception be like we're never like it's like with the NDP never no more um was it um uh Ray well, who's a politician? Uh no more Ray days, right? Um I can't remember Bob, Ray. Bob, Bob Ray, Ray, right? Bob Ray, yeah. And and it's put such a stigma on the NDP and mm. I think that the liberals are, are are not really pausing made out of empathy, but they're doing it to cover their own ass because they don't want to be looked back as the party that was like the Nazis in World War Two. <laughs> well, and every Canadian, their their life matters. I mean, the value of their life. I mean, it matters, and you give them the the resources, the tools. I mean, everything that every single person in the country. Uh, has a um, has a right. I mean, it's just it's just a human right, and I'm not going to dive into about human rights stuff and all that stuff. But I mean, is there's a fundamental you know line here, and the government's crossing that line, saying, "Well, no, we don't want to give you, we don't want to give you the housing, we don't want to give you the financial resources." But yeah, I'm sorry that you're suffering. That's why I mean, they went, they tried going down that slippery slope. Now I don't know if they, you know, maybe they were pushed by another organization that told them to do that. But obviously, now I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for putting a pause on this. But we need to do an indefinite pause on it. And now, then, exactly what you said, uh, uh, Ellen. You know, it's like another countries maybe you know, they have uh, options. Okay, now if that's up to that person, but give them the tools and resources first, then then go from that point on and look at it. But you need to listen to our lived experience. Uh, this, 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 yeah. this pause is nothing more than a political, we're covering our ass, so in 10 years from now, we can't be accused of being uh, mm-hmm. war crime Nazi uh, party, blah, blah, blah. Now, this is a political uh, ass-covering decision mm-hmm. to pause it. It's not an empathetic one. They're they're being put to the fire, and they've been told on certain terms until you have more checks and balances. We're not going there. That's <laughs> I, I think anyway. We'll give well, MG. Yeah, for, uh, We'll give MG the last uh, pick yeah. up the can, and then maybe we'll go on to the next uh, statement. Yeah. Okay. Well, I you know I, I mean we're let's talk about perfunctory lip service here, for example. Uh, our, our legal rights. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the security of the person, the right not to be deprived except thereof in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice. That's the best lip service that they give to people with disability. Because hmm. life, liberty, and the security of the person means a lot of things other than just going and having the right not to be shot at or being attacked or whatever. That hmm. security of the person and life and liberty means hmm. a lot of things, right? And it's a very large avenue of discussion which we don't have time for at the moment but the point being simply is they're not you know they don't even follow the own rules that they've set up when it comes to this nation they've make it so it's like well you have the right to life but you can starve and live on the streets right and that doesn't give you the security of the person 
And that's the problem. And you don't hand up with liberties either because you have no liberties when you're trying to go and survive being out on the street. I've never been homeless. I've never been homeless. But I've listened to Dan talk about it, you know, and it's like, and I've talked to homeless people and they, you know, I've listened to them talk about how much of a struggle their life is from day to day. And well, they're fined and, 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 and fined, harassed. harassed, threatened, and all the rest of this stuff. Oh, because they're homeless. And so, mm-hmm. how is it that our government goes and says this one thing, but just gives us the lip service? And this is the real problem that we have is our own government has been giving us nothing but lip, lip service for a very, very long time. Uh, what's scary, MJ, is you don't even have to be homeless, you can be, you can be waiting. Uh, on a platform in a certain city waiting for the second train because your friend is coming in on that train or or you have to wait for that particular train because it's going to an additional city and if a, if a law enforcement officer thinks you're loitering you can get fined i mean you don't even have to be homeless we're doing we're putting these our our province and our con- and our country in general our provinces are putting in these impunitive no loitering policies where you you can be literally fined it's like they're literally just going to go we're going to right we're going so let's, to let's find, we're find a way to we're going to find a way to uh bully you by using uh, a policy to make you can comply, so you're not wow. you're not just hanging around and looking like uh, a nuisance in an ideal society. It's just such a joke. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's get to the next question here because I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, this one is uh, deceptively simple. Uh, excuse me. Oh, what's the? Oh. Just one second. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so while we wait for Neil to uh, come back, um, you know, just kind of a recap. Like there was, uh, there was a um, talk show this morning um, on a local radio station. Uh, of course, MJ. Uh, yeah, you would know. I mean, it's because you're in BC, but it's um, a local radio station, CKNW. Okay, and they were talking about um, homelessness uh, in the city of Nanaimo. They have a huge, huge homeless problem that's happening there. And the mayor, local mayor, was on. And he used to be a former um, uh, MLA for actually the governing party in British Columbia, the NDP. And uh, he was he's very vocal. Um, I mean, and, and rightfully so, right? He's holding the government to account. They made a, uh, an announcement. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, Daniel, you'll be wanting to really tune into this one and, uh, and many. Is he made a very valid point of saying, that we got a huge problem because the, uh, uh, of course, the um, premier showed up with with an announcement saying they're going to be providing um, 100 new uh, modular housing to house the homeless people. Now, there's uh, at least, he said, 900 to 1,000 people right now that are homeless. And he said, uh, so the, the host uh, said, well, I mean, you know, what, what do you think on that, uh, Leonard? And he says, well, you know what, I don't go with numbers. I, I don't go with numbers like that's just, you know, whatever. They're going to throw 100, 100 out there. Yeah, that's going to help. That's going to help house 100 of them. But what about the rest? Like there's now at least 1,000. I mean, that's what they can count. 
That's what the city can count how many are homeless. Um, I was talking to Sonia earlier about this same topic, and that number is way higher. That's the only number that they can actually count by doing the stats. Um, he said, there, you know, he says, he said, get on with it, right? He's holding the current government accountable, saying, get on with it. People in the community are very upset because they, uh, they, um, the, the province wants to just plunk these modular housing down in an area that people in the community don't, don't feel comfortable with. And I mean, I'm not saying don't put the NIMBY effect, the homeless, yeah. right? I mean, I'm saying, yes, great. That's great. But maybe consult with the community and have saying, okay, like where should we put this housing that's going to make a kind of an even playing field? You can't make everybody happy. And I know that, uh, you know, in society, but maybe come to a common ground of saying, okay, maybe put this housing in a central area where now they're going to be supervised, monitored to a, a point where they're getting that um, the, the health care that they need temporary while they um, figure out a permanent solution for them. Um, in my view, I think permanent housing is the better solution. <laughs> it always has been. Um, yeah, it, it's like putting a Band-Aid over the problem, right? Uh, they have a serious problem. But anyway, the theme of it, uh, just to get back, uh, to summarize this, is that um, there's more, obviously, there's a huge amount of work that has to be done. But he said this has been uh, a problem for like 30, 40 years. Like this didn't just happen overnight. Yeah. This has been an ongoing problem for with successive governments and uh, now it's come to a boiling point of it, it, it's going to continue like it's getting worse and um there's no magic solution uh i'd say you know uh you give people the, the financial resources and the tools uh and get them the help that they need and because he was focusing on about mental health um he said the, the, a lot of these individuals that um that they're dealing with right now in the city of nanaimo just for instance uh, they have a huge substance abuse uh, issues that are going on. Uh, and he said, some of them, uh, if you offer them housing, they, they don't, they probably won't take it. They don't know that like, you can't voluntarily say like, yeah, we're going to get you the help. You're going to come with me. He said that they, they won't like, and he said, so it comes where well, the question was, is that voluntarily make them go or force them to go? Um, and he stands with the one where some of them, unfortunately, he said they, they just need that uh, to be put somewhere because they're actually um, safety for themselves and for the community. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's his view on it. Um, I don't know the solution. Maybe I'll get Dan. Um, I'm going to uh, quickly well, Dan's just... Dan's off right now. He... Oh, okay. Um, Dan no, just uh, when if you we have and we have MJ again with us. MJ, uh, actually, I'll get your review on that uh, quick topic before we jump to the next uh, statement thing. Well, I was jumping ahead to take a look at what they were. So, um, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we used to have uh, facilities for people that required constant mental health supports, where they couldn't go and take the medication, or they wouldn't take the medication. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had advancements in certain uh, healthcare uh, provisions and technologies. Like, for example, for people with schizophrenia, there is mm -hmm. now a shot that lasts three months. Okay. This is a shot that should be used as the first line of defense, not giving people pills, because we all know that people with schizophrenia generally and other mental health disorders as well. I mean, let's not lump, just pick on one, but a lot of people with mental health disorders go and take their pills and go, I feel good. I don't need them anymore. I'm cured. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And this is a real problem that 
it's not just like it's not mental health it's any prescription that you're supposed to take until finish or take until the doctor prescribes or something take it with food that's worse when you're when you're in, in poverty because um i have to skip meals sorry i, I want to hear what many had to say here yeah sorry, sorry. Yeah, let's try not to talk about each other. It can it can happen with antibiotics. So like with um stroke, typically you get the amoxicillin yeah. and then like seven days of pills, take three or two a day, depending on the schedule. But around day three or four, you feel better. And then if you stop taking it, you just gave the, the virus a sample of the medication, the ability yeah. to it reject the medication that you're taking and then you have to finish the pills. It's so it gets, and um, with my mom being a nurse, she used to do VON nursing when she go in people's houses. Um, a lot of times she had patients that think they took the medication, but they weren't sure they took the medication. It's because like, um, if you're in a routine of taking your medication all the time, you look like, I'll, I'll forget if I don't take it at 7 PM or 7 AM when the alarm goes off, I have another alarm that says, did you take your pills? Like the reminder checklist alarm where you check the box and it goes away. It will say, I haven't checked that box. It's like, you know, July. Or because I'm not oh. doing the checks and balances. Like my Google Calendar has a task thing where it says you check the box and it's done. Like the level of, I have all these things to remind me to take my pills. And then I go check the little pill organizer and Sunday is still in the box. And I'm mm -hmm. like, when is Sunday? Or when did I miss Friday? Like it's it's a constant thing of reminding to take your pills over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the shoppers drug more blister packs that they have there. Yes. The that weird paper has an aftertaste that absorbs in the pills. So my doctor thought, do the blister oh. and this is giant folder of your pills for every day of the week that you just punch out all your pills. They put your prescriptions, the blister packs for you. So if you're taking six pills. Or like each pill has their own schedule. You don't remember. You literally don't, like you just don't remember all of them. Or you take them so much where you're just sick and tired of taking them. Like I'm taking the prescriptions, plus I'm taking supplements. Each supplement has a schedule. Yeah, you literally, you get fatigue. You totally get fatigue. They're like, so yes, shots would be better. But if you're afraid of needles, you're not going to go into it because you're afraid of needles. Yeah. So, we have all the advancements, we have faster pills, we have all these extra things, but you have to agree. You have to be willing to go through treatment. You have to be willing to stick with treatment. And if your treatment is for the rest of your life, like for me with bipolar and multiple sclerosis, forever for the rest of my life, it's going to be stomach issues, hair loss, indigestion, can't have babies, but I have to take another pill so I can have babies just for the prescriptions that the government doesn't want to pay for all of them either. Like, I remember with CAMH, they were giving me samples because OW wouldn't cover the prescription. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a doctor who was good at getting the samples from the drug reps, the sales reps, you weren't getting your prescription at all. So, and then if you're homeless and you have pills to take, you're not carrying them with you everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would sell them because I learned that the quietopine and cocaine it's it's a cubo other drug by itself <laughs> yeah yeah you know and that's, you know? it's following it's uh, that that routine of, of making sure you stick with that medication 
right through till it's it's supposed to be done. And uh, in some cases, yeah, it's a lifelong medication in order to cue, keep that person stable. Um, yeah, and it's I know it gets to a point where there's that fatigue of, uh, do I have to keep taking this medication? And you know, is it is it like you you know kind of just summarizing what you're saying? It's a you know is it is it a shot? But yeah, people scared of needles or keep taking the pills. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. The side, like yeah. the side, one of the, my hair fell out, like my pubic hair fell out. So that my doctor's like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, yeah. I was told my hair on my head would fall out, not the hair on my body would fall out. Mm -hmm. Because the medication is working, I still have to take it. And then I'm like, my, like the weight gain, all those, all these other side effects that happen, like yeah. heart seeing the cardiologist, just because the medication, okay, yes, it's working, but the side effects, they yeah. still so the your body may tolerate a certain side effect for a period of time, and then eventually your body's like, "Fuck you! I don't care about your side effect in your medication. I don't want to cooperate." Your body will actually just give up on the medication. That's why mm -hmm. people are changing medications and they end up being resistant of medications. It's it's a whole like yes, big pharma is making a lot of money of pumping out medications, having a certain percentage of people that agree to the medication. The way that they study the medication before they release it to the public, mm -hmm. it's 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 exhausting because you're like like you want to get better, you want to do the treatment, of course. And then if you're in when the I, system, when I was having, yeah, you you're literally choosing take the prescription or just you know let your mind do whatever it does and hope you survive. When I was having uh, stomach issues a few years ago, I had a doctor that was. Uh, told me to take these acid inhibitor inhibitors or acid blockers, you know, for my stomach. And, right. and I, and I thought, Oh no, I don't know about that. So I started reading about it. And I mean, they're nasty because basically what they do is they shut down your stomach acid and, and, and because your body is smart, your body says, Oh, you're, you're not producing any acid anymore. So I'll produce more. Right. And this, this is right. what your body does to counteract. And so what happens is people if people stay on those acid blockers uh, for an extended period of time, you, you just end up getting higher and higher, more and more doses. And they said, if you stay on them for any length of time, you get screwed up totally. So so I, I just did a quick Google search and I started reading this stuff. And I said, no way am I touching that stuff. And I just changed mm -hmm. my diet. And you know that's helped immensely just changing my diet rather than relying on a pill yeah because like there's um like you know you were actually on the phone there neil just for a moment but i, I was just uh diving into kind of a recapping a, like a radio segment that i was listening to about uh the former mayor uh for um uh, for the government the governing party in british columbia for nanaimo i was talking about uh way back when people listening to the podcast now uh you know, are watching live. I mean, they'll hear the word Riverview, right? Um, and it was uh, how the how the former mayor. He's you know, I mean, he's the mayor, but I mean, the former MLA. He calls it, uh, you know, the the uh, what did he call it? The people who flew over the cuckoo's nest or mm -hmm. or Nurse Ratchet. He said he goes, you know, how people would kind of uh, relate that to um, you know how people were treated in that facility. Uh, he says going forward, yeah, I mean, he still believes. He said he'll still stand by that he thinks that the people who really need that help that are not going to be voluntarily wanting to get that help on the streets like some of 
I mean, they, some of them, unfortunately, uh, that they really do need the help. I mean, everybody's a human being. They do need the help in whatever case it is um, to protect their well-being uh, on the street or, or public safety. Like, I mean, they're smashing into buildings. Like, they don't even know where they are or what they're doing. They're just smashing it. They're causing problems. Uh, I mean, they just obviously need some help, the care that they need and the dignity and respect that they need. Um, now, is it making a new state-of-the-art facility? He still thinks that, yes, they need to um, be put into somewhere for care for themselves and for the public. Um, I, I think uh, province-wide, like each community or maybe every so many communities, having different hubs around and, and having it set that way rather than just one place um yeah, that, that fraser view though was a was bad. yeah yeah i heard it was yeah. just it was bad but he well, said yeah. the uh for the uh one of the, the governing party way back when the uh bc liberals had shut it down um but of course i'm not going to do the uh go there and start blaming previous governments i think they all have to work together and find a good solution going yeah. forward and he just blames it that they're with that are just kind of taking way too long figuring this out um, and people are suffering. Let's try to move on to the next. Uh, there's probably more to, that could be said. Unless sure. you want to. No, no, no. Not with that topic. Yeah. No, uh, I was just going to say that we do have some comments in the uh, chat that mm -hmm. you might want to take. Uh, yeah, yeah I was quick. I was quickly scanning them. Um, yeah. You have uh, Linda that was saying, I'm trying to get a diagnosis for ADHD so I can get me me medicine that works. But because it's addictive, they don't mm. give prescriptions that easily. That's one comment. Mm. Um, another one from just me. I'm bipolar. It's I've been on every medication and they don't work. I've got uh, ketamine treatment in hospital, but it was only six sessions and now I'm home with no meds and it's very hard. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's tough. I'm I'm really sorry that you're going through that. It's maybe um, maybe there's something that the doctors can um, maybe look at. Uh, as an alternative things that might work good for you. I I don't know. Um, I know some some doctors. There are some really good doctors, and I I had a a doctor at a walking clinic one one year. You guys, and I uh, just it was just um. Like, almost like a lot of those pencil pushers, right? Wanted to push out the meds. And I said, no, that guy said, I'll, I'll have a bad reaction to that. So I said, no. Like, and so I went and saw another dropping clinic and it worked good for me. And it was the same thing. Like I was told, yeah, like this, I needed penicillin at the time. And you need to keep taking that until, until it's fully done with that uh, prescription, right? Because it's like, you don't, like kind of what you were talking about, Minnie. It's if you don't finish taking it, guess what? Comes a big problem. Oh, yeah. I'll say with the ADHD diagnosis. So the fastest way to get a diagnosis is through a public clinic. I end up finding one in Toronto. Mm. And, um, the one at CAMH. It's like two years I'm waiting for my diagnosis for that. So it's and depending on your executive functions, how you function throughout the day or just life in general, you may not need a diagnosis for every single thing because. Mm. Like, yes, you need diagnosis to access the disability benefits, like with the the disability tax credit. Yes, it's a good idea to put every limiting condition I have so I get access to disability tax credit. But 
it just be like I don't want to be at the doctor's office for a half an hour or more just filling out all my conditions on the paper because mm -hmm. it's every time you fill out a disability form you're re-traumatizing all your disabilities all your conditions or all your prescriptions or all your supplements where right. yeah CAMH not having my ADHD diagnosis right now I mean not paying the $500 for the executive function and uh, assessment or the other ADHD because there's private there's private um, doctors that would do the diagnosis. There's private doctors that would go through treatment. Like there's other, there's other treatment available in the private system, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a matter of, do you really need to know that answer or can you go through therapy and learn other tools to, to function? Because every time you had, like Tony Robbins was saying that over the four days I was there attending it, if you always identify your condition as mine, you you uh, attach it to your hip. It's never going anywhere, and it, it it actually blocks you from moving forward for the things that the other things that you want. So, yeah, we need to get to a baseline. We need to have answers. We need to access the things that we need to access. But we need to live our best lives, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. As much as I want, like my physio starts in March. I really don't want to go there, but I will. I will max out my my sessions. I will do. But I'm paying down my credit card so I can buy insurance on my own and go to any clinic I want to. I don't want to be limited in the system that's only there for poor people. And then you have to wait your turn. And then as you're waiting your turn, you, you're pausing your life for things you want to accomplish. Like ODSP says, oh, I can't leave the country for longer than 30 days. Okay, what can I do in a four-day cruise vacation and have a good time? They're not going to stop me from spending money that I need to spend to enjoy my life. Just that they're not going to stop me from maxing out my credit card for doing grocery delivery. So yeah. just certain things. I just know I don't need everything to be recorded and documented and evaluated and approved based on mm -hmm. other people who are going to judge my lifestyle and my life and things I need. So, yeah, like it's, it's super hard to have a health condition and you need treatment and not getting the treatment. But the way that I went through therapy and cognitive behavior therapy and the eight-week trauma therapy at Women's College Hospital in Toronto, it was other things that supported my mental health so that I can function as like a like a fully developed adult. Like the way that we know there's child development stages from toddler to baby and they know mm -hmm. what milestones just would be achieving. I want mm -hmm. to achieve those as an adult. So it's it's you kind of have to make a decision on your own of where you are what you need do you really need the diagnosis do you really need to be on disability like someone um in the tony event she's on odsp making her application she had an employer and now she's going on odsp and i was like do you really need to be on odsp that was the first question i asked her because once you're on it you're on it for the rest of your life once you get on certain government programs they can go back and audit you whenever like that is what we're signing up to. And then people are saying it's demeaning. No, it's a system. People voted for the system. People voted for this system. It may not be you that voted for the system, but the collective society voted for the system. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for that, uh, Minnie. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna just gonna wrap up and say if people knew what they were voting for, maybe they wouldn't necessarily vote for it. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. uh, let's go on to uh, point number eight. And this this is a very simplistic uh, one. 
but the, it's uh, access accessibility isn't always accessible. Accessibility isn't always accessible. Go. <laughs> okay. Is that, go ahead, MJ. It's like, like I was saying earlier in the program, it's like we come with our, our, our baggage and our problems and our, our, you know, our issues. Then we go to these programs to seek help. And it's like, oh, you hurt somebody's feelings. Or you shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have done this. It's like, I got my baggage and you guys are not being accessible to go and worrying about my concerns. You worry about your own people's concerns. I came here for help, right? It's like, uh, you know, I think Ellen was saying or uh, Dan before it was like, it's like, oh, if you do this wrong, you're, you know, if they're going to rag on you and they're going to sit here and berate you because, oh, you don't comply with their little programs and the way they're thinking. Well, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with my disability the best I can. And, the, you know, and my frustration is overflowing because every time I try to come and ask for help, somebody worries about something that's absolutely nonsensical. And it's like, so it's like, I, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd like to go and consider self-employment but i gotta go deal with work bc no i can't deal with work bc because they're worried about feelings they're not worrying about facts they're not worrying about helping they're worried about oh you hurt somebody's feelings and it's like you know feelings get hurt move on we're adults you know and unfortunately you know for a lot of us that are disabled our our fuse gets a little short with dealing with people that waste our time you know because it's like, oh, we need you to sit in a chair for a couple hours to ask questions. Well, it hurts to sit in a chair for a couple hours asking, answering your questions. It's like this could have been done where you sat on the phone and did this from the comfort of your office. And I could have been home in my chair with, you know, my backrest to help me have support, you know, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have had any problems. But no, they make things difficult. And accessibility doesn't, you know, is not accessible because they make it extremely difficult to go and access these programs or they make too many hoops and too much nonsense to get there. So people just say, forget it and give up. Well, that's that ableism, right? Within within the oh, totally. structure of a system that says there's no ableism. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Oh, there's no ableism here. Don't Wait call it ableism. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, I mean, you want to go and ahead. God forbid if you call them ableist. <laughs> uh, th thanks on, on that, MJ. On, on that, uh, did you want to continue on a little bit on that, MJ, or do you want to pass it? Oh, he's out. He's off the screen now. Oh, okay. So oh. Uh, if uh, if Alan wants to jump in or or yeah. Mini, uh, Mini go first. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you hear me, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So. It's a weird thing, like how I learned after that, like I can't change my light bulbs in my apartment. I If I climb a ladder, I get dizzy. My doctor said she could send the referral in for the ear, nose and throat doctor because it might be a balance issue. So anytime a light bulb is out I'm that for the kitchen and the kitchen and bedroom, mm -hmm. I'm calling my super to do it. I mean, I did learn that legal aid said, the building is supposed to accommodate people with a disability, but sometimes these light bulbs go out every single month. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. it's, and it's like, I don't know what's wrong. They, they, they changed out the wiring. They changed out the switch. They changed out different light bulbs. Like, like the level of 
getting access to things that I'm told I'm, I'm supposed to get access for, but if you don't, like, they don't even advertise what you're, you're supposed to be accessible for. Like, the disability tax credit, when it came out, I saw a flyer in a coffee shop, and my dad told me it was a scam. <laughs> and now I have the disability tax credit. And the, and the letter of statement of, of entitlement that the government gives you when you're catching up on carry forward room in the registered disability savings plan one letter said if i deposit five thousand dollars the government will give me ten thousand five hundred when i brought it up to somebody else who's also on disability they told me that letter was a scam and it's a letter directly from the government and when i log into cra account it says exactly i'm eligible for the disability tax credit but because other people are not informed or not educated they're blocking my access to things that I'm supposed to be accessing. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the system we have. We literally have people who are fearful of the system or skeptical of the system that are blocking people from access, like doctors who don't fill out the forms or doctors who've been your doctor since you were, you were a kid who don't believe you're disabled, mm -hmm. but that they went to school for seven years to, to say that they want to help people with health conditions. So like the, the person that was there asking me about applying for disability and I'm asking her about a doctor, she's a doctor that doesn't want to fill out the form that's going to terminate her as a patient in June where she needs to find a doctor. And I was like, look, you need to have a serious conversation with this doctor to ask them, do you really want to help me? Do you want me to access things that I need to better my life? Because they're the person that they legally have to fill out the form. I can't fill out the form. I can't tell the government what my condition is or what my limitations are. I cannot do it. Even though ODSP had a self-reporting page in the adjudicator application, everything else has to be signed and stamped by my doctor or by all mm -hmm. the healthcare providers listed on the, on the page. If you don't have a doctor who believes in the health, like they, they, they go to help people, they go to heal people, their industry of heal, healing people, and they don't want to heal people. Yeah. And then yeah. on top of, if you grow up with a family who doesn't believe you're disabled, or they think you're just lazy, or they think you're just <coughs> not trying hard enough, or you think that you're just not being smart enough, or whatever the condition is, or your family sending you up not to access disability forms, you're not going to access it. If I needed extra tutoring or support in high school, my parents were not doing the things to make sure the school was giving me the tutoring support I needed. So great. They like the disability accommodations that they said that every building was supposed to be disability accommodated by 2025. We are nowhere near that deadline. Nowhere. The government said we will make all these things accessible with more like easy access for people with a disability that are blind or, or deaf or wheelchair mobility. And they're not doing that. They're not like the level of, they only build one sidewalk near my building to be wider for wheelchairs. But most of them, no. If you, if a wheelchair is coming at you, you're walking, the chances are they run over your foot. Like I wow. literally have to stand a certain way that someone does not run over my foot on certain sidewalks. So like the, the accessible, ex like, no, we're not doing it. We, we are not, we're doing, like even the internet, the internet is not accessible for people that are hard of hearing or people that are deaf. Like even products that are built. If my microphone is giving trouble, I have no idea. It's not built to be accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've even come across a set of stairs with a with set of doors at the bottom, and it says handicap accessibility. And I'm looking at the photo, going, 
There's something not added up here. <laughs> you got these two handicap stickers on the doors at the bottom of the stairs. I'm going, um, I may not be in a wheelchair, but if even if I had to go down those stairs, and some of them are like, like old institution stairs where like they had in high school where the step is not even that deep. It's a very shallow step in depth, but it's a very steep step on each step itself. And you're going, there's no way with someone with crutches would even be able to go down there if they had someone holding their hand arm. Like so no, I I, I totally echo what uh what we saying we are so far behind the curve as far as accessibility. Like yeah. so far behind it. See, and, and here's another thing is building codes for accessibility. It's like, oh, we put an elevator in. Okay, well, if the elevator stops, guess what's happening? You're being carried down the stairs by firefighters, or you're just gonna stay there and burn. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> it's it's like the way we've built society is if you're disabled. Or if you're not part of the contributing group of people, as it were, and you you know you don't go to work, you know, as, as it were, you're not considered in the aspects of generalized society and building of a, a building or building of uh, a road or a sidewalk or whatever it is. It's just you're ignored because you don't contribute. That's what they really look at it from as a financial position of what you contribute to society you know, or not, and not from what you could contribute if you had all of these abilities and the accessibility there to do so. They don't want to make the accessibility to be a real thing. And this is, this is why we get nothing but lip service. You know, this is why I really think that the, the preview for uh, the line that before a question period should say the following program is, is for the thinking impaired, you know, because really this is what we're dealing with here in this political atmosphere is, a lot of thinking impairment of people just running the program without actually thinking for themselves. It's really mm -hmm. where we're at. Thank, thank you on that, MJ. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll basically give my quick little comment on that topic too is, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty well, just to summarize everything that uh, you've, you've mentioned, uh, Minnie, on about accessibility regarding how industry in general uh, and what you just mentioned too, MJ, uh, you know, and Ellen, um, yeah, like you guys have pretty well nailed exactly what I was just going to say. Uh, and it's just industry in general. I mean, people say like, is it all government's fault? Uh, no, I think it's just every industry in general um, is just not kept up with it. It's like saying, well, if you have any kind of impairment, oh, then now, now, yeah, you're just not part of uh, today's society. Uh, we don't want to deal with it because we don't know how to deal with it. Well, you have to li listen to lived experience. Like, I mean, everyone's going to become disabled one way or another in their life. You're born with a disability. You will require more disabilities as you can become older. And what do we do? Just ignore, um, you know, just not keeping up with um, with making things accessible. Like, is it, you know, everyone knows when I talk about transit, I just goes on to a rant, which I'm not going to do this this segment here. But yeah, like, you know, do we make we make transit more accessible? Like hell, I mean, oh, well, we made it accessible when we're running it. Well, okay, but are you running I, the, the actual, you yeah. know, the service? No, like you're not. Yeah, and, or you're, or you're relegated uh, uh, to the short bus, right? 
yeah. <laughs> I was in uh, I was I was in Toronto and uh, I was doing street photography. I'll be super quick here. I noticed this business guy, and I thought the first time he did it, it was just by fluke. But he he was turning his umbrella to the side because uh, he, on um, Bay Street, as you head towards Union, there's a lot of people uh, that use uh, Bay Street because the uh, subway uh, vents are hot. So that's where they, if they're homeless, they, they often sit on the grates uh, as you head from Queen and Bay down to Union. And this guy was turning his umbrella towards the homeless person. The first time I thought he did, and I was just out taking street photos. Like, I was just literally out doing some street photography. And I noticed that there were about six homeless people staggered down this one side of Bay Street. And he was doing it every time. Every time. It was, I don't see it. It's not there. Mm -hmm. and uh, I got yeah. a couple of photos of him but I was like really shocked and it made me realize that he was just a reflection of society if, if, if I don't see it it's not there kind of attitude mm -hmm. and I think a lot of uh, what uh, MJ was mentioning earlier about uh, this whole if we're not contributing to to society because we can't work or or we're not building or we don't have a business that we're not we're not contributing in any way then we're completely ignored and I think this is I think a person who does that to homeless people as he's walking down so he doesn't see them it's just an echo of that social uh, ignorance and, yeah. and that's the true core of ableism, right? Uh, I don't see it. It doesn't exist. Well, th and, thanks and I, that. Yeah, thanks on that. Is, um, so just to conclude on what, what, um, what I was going to mention is, yeah, it's, do, we, do we accept the, the status quo, the way it's going forward? Or do we unite and get you know, people mm -hmm. across the country who are directly affected by all this ableism and lived experience, people with disabilities. I mean, you're, you've got seniors who who are disabled, and the system says, "Oh, well, you turn 65, you don't you don't need all these other resources. You don't need all these tools to help better, uh, you know, to keep your quality of life the best way you can going forward." And we're supposed to treat them with dignity and respect. I mean, we've got veterans who are homeless. I mean, veterans who served this country uh, during the, the war, the World War. And that you know, they're homeless, they they don't have access to meds because oh they don't qualify to have um, a lot of it you know met under their pharmacare their prescriptions that they need they um, the disability supports their resources the the tools to help uh, um, basically uh, work aside with with them I mean it's part of their disability yeah. it, it's part of you know who they are. And then we, we treat them with, with uh, we're supposed to treat them with dignity and respect. And I, I want every, you know, every citizen in Canada to be treated equally, equally. Remember, Trudeau said that the veterans were asking for too much. Oh, Let's I not know. forget, right? I mean, and it's like, I, I feel that, oh, I, you know, that he do the same thing to us, that we're yeah. asking for too much, you exactly. know? And it's like, 
mean, mm -hmm. I'm trying to nuance my words very carefully here because yeah, I hear um, you. I know because I... what you know, the, my anger about this is like when I sit here and it's like you caught onto the veterans and it's like, yeah, you know, when you have the government saying, well, you're asking for too much, and it's like, you know, you're dropping hundreds of billions of dollars onto foreign nations where mm -hmm. the support that you give to these people doesn't get to the bottom line to these people. So yeah. why should we keep giving money over there when we could go and do something over here with it? You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, I'm a nationalist in this way of thinking that we should take care of our own first before we go out and venture yeah. into the world to go and help the world with their problems. We should be the example, the yeah. shining light to say, look, ah. We have helped these people out. We've gotten these people off of their drug addiction. We've gotten them the mental health supports that they need. We've put them yeah. into living safe environment to where they have a structured environment that works for them. You know, mm -hmm. instead of going and saying, oh, you're asking for too much and giving yeah. billions of dollars away to third party nations that never helps anybody, but pockets, lines, organizations and people's pockets in the, you yeah. know, so my anger about this is sitting here trying to find the right words to say, hey, uh -huh, you know, yeah. you people, you know, and I'm going to use John Cherry for this one, you people <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, really need to start paying attention because if you're not paying attention, you know, we're the small fry, okay? Mm -hmm. And there's groups and people above, above us that are starting to feel the pinch. And if oh, they yeah. start to feel the pinch, then they go and say, you people better start listening Guess mm. what? Things are going to get serious in this nation, and oh, and this huge. is and this is uh, this is where you know, as I was talking before the show about the idea of banding together and creating a political alliance or a political party to go and say, hey, you know, we're going to start here with the people on disability, and mm -hmm. that's probably a good couple of million people that would be a couple of million votes that we could take away from multiple parties. Uh, and then also, there, uh, MG, also, it's not just the people with disabilities. Like I want to add on to what you mentioned, because I think that's a brilliant idea, by the way. Uh, but it's also their their relatives. I mean, they vote too. They're, I mean, anyone's affiliated with that person. So now you add on even more millions of people exactly. that are affected, right? And it's a cascading thing yeah. of where we can go and move forward. And, and, and you know, and... Yeah. You know, it's like I was going and looking to the next one because I know Neil's chomping at the bit to get to number nine. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's get to number nine here and let's uh, <laughs> yeah, move we... to the next one here. I can see him chomping over there. <laughs> I know, I know. He's like, they're all getting off topic. But it, it's all, it's so informative though. I mean, we all dive into these things and I mean, it's just, um, things can change for the better, for sure. And we're, we're going to make it happen. Neil, I saw it. it's on you. Go ahead. <laughs> Neil, I cannot hear you speaking in the uh, Zoom's call here. Oh yeah, sorry. I I put yeah. my uh, I put my uh, mic off because I was <laughs> conversing with my son too. Um, oh. Anyway, uh, what I was uh, going to say is my rationale for including that statement was, uh, or one of the rationales for including the statement, because uh, uh, Brent here in BC, you remember when on the SkyTrain when the government put in the put in the gates at the SkyTrain right. stations, the, the, the gates to, to um, uh, yeah. basically force people to pay. To, to, yeah, I, um, I came across that just recently, yes. Yeah, and, and, and remember when they when they first put them in, um, there was lots of people in wheelchairs where that have really low mobility that couldn't access the gates 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it was it was a it was a huge thing. Like I mean, it was a really huge oversight, and and that just kind of flags for me that this idea that you know we'll build something and we won't even consult. Uh, we won't even consult people in the wheelchairs or whatever. We'll just build this thing. And if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, well, we'll like, we'll fix it. We'll fix it later. And that's mm-hmm. basically what they did. Right. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, put, they put in these gates and, and they, they did some consultations. I mean, I'll give them that they did some consultations. I have a friend that was involved in those consultations, but they basically said, well, we don't want to listen to your consultation. We don't want to do what you're saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Because basically the pushback was that, you know, we think it's uh, there's a better option than than gates. And 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 the government said, well, we want the gates because we, we want money. right? And and so they, they just yeah. basically forced on these gates. And then it's like, oh, well, now these don't work for the people in the chairs. Like, oh, well, we'll have to figure out something, you know, after the fact. And it's always like yeah. it's always like tacked on after the fact they're like oh well let's let's do deal with this now now that we've kind of effed this up we'll 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 fix it you know after the fact now well because the where the gates are um if people that are watching watching live if you're listening later there is scanning uh, a device there where you scan your card scan in your card the, yeah and and it's higher up from where you would actually be in a wheelchair or any accessibility device going through you have to raise your arm up to scan in onto the reader, right? So some people may not be able to do that. And if you're in a wheelchair, it's gonna be very difficult. So now they, they say, well, exactly what you mentioned. Oh, we'll, we'll work on it later. I mean- uh, Yeah, and- Toronto, Toronto has yeah. on the TTCs. So they have they have one gate that's specifically for wheelchair accessible, but there's two scanners on it. There's oh. a higher one and a lower one. Oh, they can a- just add a lower one. <laughs> like it's yeah. not- yeah, well, that's that's yeah. what they could have done, it's right? But they just like perfect. forced it in, and they're like, let's let's figure it out later after yeah. we've built it. We'll and then if you're if you're a shorter person, yeah, you're not gonna read like so. Like people that are little people, right? They had, yeah. they have forgot they forgot their name. They're never gonna reach up there, no matter what. Like it's the level of, or you're waiting for somebody who's taller than you to scan your card so you can be independent and go where you're going. It, that. That makes no sense <laughs> at I, all. It, it, it's really frustrating, especially if um, there's a malfunction on on it for whatever reason. Then you got to wait for an attendant. Uh, and the part that re- really gets me is, well, why why do we even have these gates? Like, it, it was supposed to be the honor system. I mean, our, our mm. taxes all pay for this service, but that's another whole, whole topic in itself. Yeah. Um, but I, I found uh, that as a huge barrier um, for sure, because yes, uh, Minnie, you're you're right. I mean, there should be two options on there for scanning. Um, another part that really gets me too is about uh, about any kind of business or um, like a, an apartment building or a mall, even a mall going in where they don't have automatic doors. You should be able to just push a button and the door opens automatically. Some malls don't have it, so now you have to manually try and pull that door open. And some of those doors are heavy, like they're very heavy. I- or, or, building, they, or they have them and they don't work, which is another, yeah, which is another yeah. thing. Our, our building is run by uh, a key fob. It looks like a credit card. Uh, right. It's magnetic. Okay, so um, to get into the – if you were in a wheelchair, to get into the laundromat, good luck. 
Uh, you might be able to reach the key fob on the outside to get into the laundromat, but to get out is a little lever, a little flip lever uh, above the door handle. And if oh. you're in a wheelchair, you're not getting out of the laundromat. Second oh. thing I noticed was, um, okay. oh, uh, was there's the, uh, the, the laundry card, because it's a laundromat, it's run by a third-party laundry company that that provides the machines. And to load your laundry card, uh, if you're in a wheelchair, you're SOL, because the machine is too high up on the wall oh. to even get to even check your balance on your laundry card. I was watching. I had to help a uh, a woman in a wheelchair just two weeks ago in our laundry room and I thought, this building is really inaccessible. Like, the the key fob in the in the, in the uh, in the elevator is okay, but if you were coming in off the street and you wanted to tap your card to get into the inside second set of doors from, from coming on the, off the street, mm-hmm. you're not reaching it. And then, then you've got to pull... The, as soon as you tap the card, you've got to pull the door. There's no right. uh, automatic push button to get the door open. The door does not start opening the moment you hit your key fob. Like, this building is so inaccessible. And I think if someone buys the building, they're probably going to tear it down and put a condo in place because the lower level of the building is all storefront. It's a Popeye's, it's a Dairy Queen. Uh, there's a couple other uh, buildings along, and the whole le- main level of the street is all retail or or, or bars. And yeah, but, you know, Alan, that uh, is the building. Yeah, what I was going to uh, kind of comment to you on that is that reminds me of a place I lived at. It was a brand new place. Um, we saw it getting built right from ground up. And the first thing they didn't do was not put a, a fob system on their push button on the door. And you know the reason why is because the owner said it was going to become too expensive. I found out through the contractors, the developers who built it, and they said the owner didn't want to pay the actual initial fee to actually install it in. And I said, why? Well, number one, it was going to be too expensive. But also, here's, here's the kicker. People <laughs> listening to this or watching this live today. They're going to probably shake your heads going, what? This makes no sense. They, the owner felt that persons with disabilities wouldn't be living in that building or anybody who had an accessibility need in a wheelchair or scooter. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? Well, we, there's like, no way you get a like, scooter. Wow. There's, there's no way you get a scooter between the two main doors of our building. There's no way you get a scooter in there because you've got to come in uh, turn to the left to 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 access the key fob, and then your your scooter would be automatically behind the on the wrong side of the door that opens inward to get through. So you lit like you literally have to turn the scooter right back up so that when you pulled the door open, you were facing the the way to go in. It's it's a and and their answer to security to make residents secure is a is a paper note over a plastic sleeve that says, "Do not let non-residents in the building. Only people with a key fob." That's their answer oh. to 
because we've had we've had people knock on the doors and rattle oh, door handles. In a, there's no security in the hallway. They have one security camera over the lobby. That's it. So. Wow. Thank you on that, Ellen. Um, you know, that kind of, like I say, goes to show that accessibility, I mean, needs to, there needs to be a standard. Every single building that's residential where uh, people are going to and from needs to be accessible. Um, and that, like I say, again, uh, you know, a place I lived at when they when they said, oh, well, they didn't think anyone was going to be needing any kind of accessibility device getting into the building to and from. Are you kidding me? Anybody's going to need that in the future. And regardless, like it needs to be there. And that's just so able as able as, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm not even going to rant on that. I'll just get We're approaching two o'clock. So I didn't know okay. how people's time. I, I was thinking we probably only have time maybe for one more instead of, I was hoping to get through five, but it looks like we're only going to get through four, which is fine. Um, but uh, let's go on to the next question here. And uh, the next one was, this was, this is a fun one. It's uh very kind of in your face, not, not fun. I mean, in the sense that it's very blunt, I'll, I'll say, <laughs> Uh, yeah, point, yeah. uh the, the the point nine is uh locking your <laughs> locking your dog inside a hot car is a crime putting pwds in unsafe or in unhealthy situations is very bad also <laughs> mm. so i'll re i'll repeat that locking your car locking your dog inside a hot car is a crime putting pwds in unsafe and unhealthy situations is very bad also mj go ahead first Oh, M MJ, your your mic is off. MJ. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I yeah, I just it popped up and told me I was speaking. Uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know what else I can really add because I I've covered a lot of all of this statement, uh, in the previous part of this conversation several times, mm -hmm. and I, I think. I mean, I, I honestly, I just want to put the politicians on a hot card. That's really where I'm at. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, see, see how they how they enjoy it because that's really what they do to the rest of us. Is you know, they've got us. Um, actually, it goes back to I'm going to just go and take a movie quote uh, or in a scene from a movie. I don't know if you ever see the movie. It was from 1992 called Pure Country, and there was a scene where he was talking about the dancing chicken, and the dancing chicken. The order way to get the dance is kept turning the heat up on the element, so the kid, the chicken kept dancing, and the guy went and I said, um, "You know, I could never figure out for the life of me why the chicken never just jumped off, right?" And that's what they do to us: is we're the dancing chickens, mm -hmm. right? And they keep us dancing because there's nowhere for us to go to jump off, and that's the problem, mm -hmm. and that's the real problem. Yeah, I think of the um, uh, I think of the the lobster that we get so conditioned to the temperature of the boiling water because it's being turned up so gradually that we're so used to it till we till we boil. But I like the dancing chicken. That's a good one. Uh, despite not seeing the movie, uh, or maybe I have. Um, I just think that um, I look back at what my brother in law said that when I was about to move to Kingston that. 
uh, because I was disabled, I should be in a group home or, or, or people with disabilities should be in institutions not taking apartments. And he's a very right-wing Christian. And I, I took it with a grain of salt because I knew he's a very righteous, ignorant person. But it made me start thinking about um, about the perception of people with disabilities. And I think if, if the politicians had the, their way we'd still be in institutions and group homes. I think it's the fact that they were so underfunded that they were forced to close and many people with mental health issues and many people with disabilities were just thrown out to the to the walls to uh, to survive on our own. Um, I'm glad I'm not in an institution and they can kiss my ass. I'm never going to let them put me in one, but it's it's definitely scary the perception I think society has of hey that disabled person is renting an apartment I could have used that apartment now I I have to pay double you know so it creates a divide between middle class and lower class right off the hop without even saying a word. Thank you, Alan, on that, and uh, I'm going to chime in on that too. It's uh, and I've said this many times, and I pretty well echo what uh, you know what you've mentioned to MJ and uh, and Alan and and anyone who's probably listening to us now, they're probably thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So what I'm going to say is, would we treat our animals, our pets, our dogs ex exactly inhumane? No, inhumane way. No, we're going to treat them with dignity and respect. I would hope. I would hope that people would treat their animals with with respect, right? You take care of your pets, right? Yeah. You make sure they've got water. You make sure they've got food. You make sure that they are taken care of. They're not in a hot car. They're not, you've got to keep all the window open enough where they got ventilation going in. But do we compare disabled people against pets? No, I mean, no. I mean, I, I mean, we should all be treated with, with respect and uh, dignity and, and autonomy allowed to make that decision. Do we, tie a dog up uh, in, a, in a cage I mean or not in a cage but in an area where they need to run amok uh, you know in their backyard yeah I mean do we tie them up you can only go so far no we let the dog run loose right in, in the uh, surrounding area um, as a comparison no I, I don't like to really compare but I know we're just saying that but on the statement but mm. I, I you know people with disabilities should uh, be treated with di dignity and respect and have full autonomy allowed to make decisions that are best for their needs, not with what the government says. And I mean, nothing against the government. And I want to make sure I say this very straightforward. I have nothing against government saying we're going to have contractors building housing. Okay, great, great. We need housing built in this country. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but we also need PWD to live where they want to live. Right. If they want to live in a certain community, they want to live in a certain type of housing. You want to live in a townhouse. You want to rent a basement suite. You want to live in a modular house. You want to live in a, a condominium. I mean, God forbid, if we want to raise people's freaking income to so they can actually afford to live there, because landlords are going to look and say, well, how much is your income? Oh, oh, you oh, you get a, oh, you get that two tiered system there in British Columbia. Oh, you get a, or whatever province you're in. Oh, you get, oh, that much for housing? How much are you going to live on? You're going to use your support to live? Oh, no, no. We want you to live comfortably. See, that's the thing. They Now they pay, now, now they actually hurt the actual recipient or the or the person who wants to rent because they say, oh, well, well, we don't want you to suffer. So 
uh, maybe the government will actually give you a rate increase. Again, these programs are designed to not give you an increase because what they do is they skip a year. Give a year, skip a year, and they give themselves a pound on the shoulder. Look what we did. Look what we did. But there's more to do. You know what? Let's just do. Let's just get the money out to people so that they can actually have, and, and I'm kind of echoing what, what you mentioned, Minnie, earlier, like let people um, make a decision that, that's good for them. Like, I mean, just, I mean, just do it now. Like, it's don't let people suffer because, I mean, at the end of the day, we all are going to get disabilities in life. Are, so, I mean, the politicians are protected right now, yes, but after you retire, you're still going to get a disability. Yes, you, mm -hmm. you're you still going to suffer, but you're going to have meds to take care of you, right? But maybe you might find a time in your life that maybe um, certain meds won't take care of you. Um, and, and I'm not doing a comparison against, you know, disabled against, um, say, politicians, but I just want you to understand, like, decision making that you make now are going to have a whole ripple effect throughout society amongst every single person. And I mean, is it going to come down to voting time? Absolutely. It's going to come down to voting time and who has our best interest and it's who's actually going to do not talk. I mean, words are cheap. I could say, Hey, Neil, um, let, let, let's have, um, let's have the King. Let, let's have, I don't know, um, King Charles on. What do you think? Or, we, al we almost had a chance to get get a king on, didn't we? <laughs> but we, yeah, but we, won't, yeah. we won't we won't uh, yeah. we won't go no, there. No, we won't go there now. But you know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, I could say, yeah, no, that we're gonna do it. And I'll say, Brent, that, that's all. That's all talk. That's all talk. I'll go, yeah, but we're gonna do. And I say, well, yeah, in reality, it would be nice, wouldn't it? But well, I guess the moral of the story, what I'm trying to get across is, let's just take care of our our citizens in this country. Let's don't have excuses of oh, uh, well, it's the other government's fault. Uh, they were in power or um, our government, yeah, there's more to do. Um, you know, work together. Let, let's, let's create a, a positive environment for every single person in this country. Build the housing. Yeah, it's been neglected for 40 freaking years or more. But I think everyone should have the housing that they need. Do they, of course, people want to not be able to pay excessive amount for housing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's treated as a commodity right now. It shouldn't be. So give people enough money to rent where they want to live. And the government says, well, we'll give you um, RGI. Okay, great. Rent gear to income. Okay. But if you want to live in the private sector, um, which a majority of PWD live in the private sector, I mean, there are lots of... In mar market value, yeah. Yeah. Market value, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you want to give them enough money so they can keep living in that. Now, okay, so how about... here? Here's a concept to the government across Canada. Give a deal to the to the show uh, property owners. Lower down their property taxes, and it, and it, here's an exchange: is that you lower the property taxes down, but he, but you say, okay, we're going to do this for you, but you now need to rent to anybody who has who can now afford that rent, and if you don't, we'll now take away your business license. So you give them an ultimatum. You say, yeah. Maybe you know what really grabs me, uh, Brent, is that. You're seeing all these new buildings going up, these new condos, and right. the older buildings are not getting, they're not Maintain. getting facelifted, they're not getting reno renovated in any real way because, as far as the owners are concerned, that's still an asset on the books. Yep, yep. And they don't have to do jack shit, and it is cheap. It is that's more profitable 
for it to be torn down so they can put well, something else in place than mm-hmm. for it to actually be. So what happens is, if unless it's a landmark building, if if they can tear down all these high rises that were built before 2018, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in Ontario, then the rent control is gone. Hey, that's one less high rise on on Jane and Finch. That's one more less high rise on in Jamestown and off Wellesley downtown or whatever, whatever town is, whatever city is, if they can start eliminating the rent control buildings by replacing Mm -hmm. them, they'll do it. And they'll do it without any, without biting an eye. Yeah. Actually, uh, 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 go ahead, uh, MJ, but then I want to get uh, Minnie's take on this too, uh, on this topic. Actually, I'll I'll wait. I'll let Minnie go first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Minnie. Thanks, MJ. Well, yeah, part of me is exhausted. So like the, like just getting diagnosed. So with diagno- being diagnosed and I'm in CAMH and CAMH is telling me I'm not sick enough to be admitted in the hospital, which mm-hmm. meant I had to go back home, still be depressed, still be suicidal, still be every, they gave me sleeping pills, trazodone, and then to go back to your family doctor and get referred. Then my fight, like I got a therapist of six sessions, and I got a therapist of like four sessions, and another therapist that I pay out of pocket. Wow. And my family, you're fine. Just, you know, sleep a little, eat more, go back to work. Oh, and geez. then the jobs I was getting, so like call center jobs were the easier jobs I could get hired for in like 2003 up until 2007. Yeah. The jobs were mad at me that I wasn't maintaining the business casual attire. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in a mental crisis, <laughs> so yeah. hygiene was going down the toilet as fast as, as it could. Then I had to keep a job or get hired for a job, say enough things to get hired in the job, which took mm-hmm. all my energy, then pay attention in training. And most of the trainings, if you don't pass by 80%, the job fires you for the call mm-hmm. center. And then you can't the, that type pro- fast enough too. <laughs> it, it's 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 not about typing fast enough. It's just understanding the material. So when I worked at Bell Canada and Pizza Hut and Shopping Channel and Amex, all those companies, they have a lot of policies you have to remember on the phone. Oh yes. <laughs> and if yep. you don't remember it, and then if you're stressed or you're starving or you didn't shower or you forgot deodorant or whatever it. People are talking about you. So the coworker environment is talking about you. Then you're trying to pay attention to the job. You're literally hanging on to the next paycheck every two weeks just okay. to get paid or like make it through the whole day of one day of training. So you get paid for that day. So most yeah. of the time I didn't qualify for EI and then to go back on OW and then to go with like the, the system itself of someone who I was, I was functioning. I was a functioning productive member of society who had a job who had an income then had a mental crisis then had to go through the system and the system never supported me in a way that mm-hmm. I got treatment fast enough I got diagnosed fast enough or I kept my apartment in me lo- almost losing this apartment it's because I magically filled the application for ODSP and I magically dragged out court long enough with mediation that when the back pay came in from ODSP, that number was exactly enough to pay the back rent because of timing. Mm-hmm. Housing costs now is like two thousand dollars. If oh, I yeah. was, if I owed back rent of six months of two thousand dollars, that's my family didn't have the money I had. My rent was seven hundred back then, and I was yeah. 
behind rent for six six months or so, almost a year. My family didn't have the money to pay my landlord. That they claimed they had their six figure jobs, but I don't know what they're doing. They're spending. So the way that they pass it on to family is supposed to help you, but if family don't have the money to keep you housed, my mom was wishing for me to go to the homeless shelter, wishing for the home, trying to tell me that the homeless shelter would be the best thing for me. And I'm like, we just need. Like if she was able to work out a payment plan with my landlord to pay out my rent, different situation. And then rent bank doesn't help you if you're eligible for OW or o- ODSP because they believe yep. ODSP and OW is able to keep you housed when you're behind on your rent. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We, they have that. They have that in BC. Same thing. But if people have to go to a rent bank. Because they can't have enough for rent, then we got a serious problem going on with our systems. Why we're not giving people enough money to pay for these these rents? The I, whole I system is so broken. Uh, the, the rent yeah. banks are really the food banks of of, yeah. of finance, and yeah. you, it's just not a band aid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's another that's another big topic that we'll dive into one day. Because I yeah, that's one segment. Yeah, Neil, I want to. Kind of, we focus on uh, on that for sure, because um, that's a, a huge topic that um, I think would be very interesting to dive into. Because um, now we're talking about like rent, uh, rent control, vacancy control, and I'll get um, uh, Dan on that segment too, because I think it'd be really good. Uh, any next topic at all uh, that we we can't go to? Maybe we just we can't we can't go to the last one or at least okay. introduce it maybe. Okay, we'll, um, then we'll... we'll just introduce this one. Uh, so number 10, and this is about autonomy more than anything. Okay. Uh, just bear yeah, that in mind. But uh, number 10 was uh, persons with disabilities have sex, get over it. So think about that in, in, in very uh, uh, autonomy, uh, autonomy point of view. Yeah, yeah. Well, disabilities have sex. Get over it. That'll be that'll be the the hanging the hanging fruit for next. Uh, I guess the next segment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. To help. Well, let, let's start with this. Um, in British Columbia, they make it difficult for you to go and have a relationship. Mm-hmm. If you go and move in with this person that has making forty thousand dollars a year, you will automatically be cut off because they're making too much money. So having a relationship within the disability welfare system that's currently built in place is practically impossible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're forced to be lonely. And secondly, you know, if they have assets and you have a little bit of assets, you merge assets, all of a sudden you have too much assets because they base it also on assets to be able to help you. So in other words, it's like you're put into a position of perpetual loneliness and, you know, sure you could have flings and all the rest of that but having a meaningful relationship and living with somebody unless they're basically like you on disability even then even then that becomes a, you know an absolute problem as well because they don't go and double your disability they give you just enough person uh, money for one more person and when you have two disabled people living together you actually really need that double amount you so, become a you become a burden to the other person yeah so, yeah. so we're equally yeah. getting less actually. <laughs> so it makes it very difficult to go and have a relationship. Plus, you know, because you're on welfare slash disability, a lot of the people that are employed tend to look down at you, and they look less at you. 
because you're disabled and they don't want to go and deal with it. They rather would have somebody functioning and a functional person. So, yeah, why do I, why am I dating you when I can't take you home to mom and dad? So yeah. therefore Yeah the shame of it. So yeah. it, well it's not, it's because it's all based on a financial viability scale these days of what you can provide financially. And this is where the system goes in uh, degrades our lives by going and making it more difficult to go and have a happy life. You know, like I said earlier, the constitution says life, liberty, and security of the person. Well, the way the system's set up, you don't get more pretty much, you maybe get some life and you get a little bit of liberty, but not much. And as for security, they're just dangling that in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. the, um, the, uh, basically the system basically punishes you for having uh, wanting to have a relationship and oh yeah oh because uh, the cost of living going higher oh well we can put you into subsidized housing oh but if you both move in together into into a um, social housing or uh, supportive housing whatever you want to call it oh but now now it'll be one income one income for you and uh, hey uh, if any uh, any of you get more asset level, yeah, we're gonna claw it off one one check. So you get one check, one income, the, one check. Yeah. The only hack is is to to really look together to find something that is maybe a two bedroom and go and and declare yourself roommates, sharing the cost. Right, but on the problem, not, and not telling them. The problem, the problem on that, though, Alan, is that if you are going under a government housing type of deal, that it doesn't work. See, if you are in a, private sector housing, well, market housing, well, I, I, yeah. it won't work if you're well, if no, you it, it, it won't work if you're in a if you're renting uh, a housing in the one bedroom because then they can they can discredit the roommate thing. But if there's right. two rooms in it, you can but, kind of get around with it. it yeah. It's something that yes Jordan and, no. and I looked at. See, if you're living years in a place, if you're looking living in a place with a you know, like if I was living you know with a female that you know, and we we're in a relationship and she still had her own space, they would make a sign a declaration saying you're not in a relationship, right? So they could go and use that against you saying, oh, you committed fraud and you lied. Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. do play these games, you know, oh, and they're not, about, they're not about playing these games to go and find reasons or ways to go and disqualify you from the system. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they basically do these things to to base, it's all set up to really discourage you from going and having uh, any happiness in your life. Yeah, or or they also um, no, you know, it's it, not. It, so like, yeah, we're, we're talking about as if we're going to be on the system our entire lives. Some of us actually want to not be on it. Like my mission is not to be on it. So if I if if I'm doing the things that I need now, and I, I read the policy back to front, front to back for ODSP, where the, yeah yeah. Getting approved, being eligible, I, I agree to their rules. I don't have to play by their rules. We're acting mm -hmm. like you always have to play by their rules. No, yeah. I need oh. to make enough money, save enough money, and not be on the system. And yeah, if I have a relationship and we have that conversation, we will have that conversation. The like, Pick the right person you're going to be with. Much as I can have the casual whatever relationships that I had with the nine year situation, I had to, had no intention of making anything serious about me or making plans. I chose to be in that environment. You can also choose to pick people who are healthy, who make good decisions, who actually understand if they're going to make a commitment with you, they know what the commitment is. So 
great, we're going to be with people and we're going to choose low level people that make horrible decisions and just make that your life. The other, we need to be able to make good decisions regardless of what the government says. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, a person should be able to make This is my weapon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and having to basically prove, uh, prove to the government, uh, oh, is that, is that I your would really, I would really like to be with somebody who says, yeah. screw the government, I'll take care of you. That's it. That's all I need. A person who's going to make that commitment. Then yeah. if they're really going to make that declaration of they're going to defend me, then yeah, we can sign another way and get a prenup where he actually legally agrees to take care of me. There's so <laughs> many other things that we can do in relationships and situations where we're not just on the government assistance. I'm not trying to be in housing. My grandmother's like, oh, your uncle's in housing. Why don't you go in housing? Well, I don't want to be on the 20-year waiting list. So yeah, if I exactly. don't want to be on the 20-year waiting list, that means I'm paying market rent. Luckily, I found a place that at the time when I got approved for it in 2007, rent was $725. It's now $960. So I'm going to stay here as long as possible. So if I pay my rent a year in advance, ODSP can't stop me from paying my landlord the month a year in advance. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what they see. The, uh, and you know, then if they look in my bank account because I had so much money and what happened to it, I give them the receipts for my landlord. My landlord would keep records of me paying my rent, how many months extra in advance, how many times I use my credit card to pay this in advance. Like it, keep track of receipts, keep track of your records because they're going to ask for it. But don't stop them from making a decision. They're not going to scare me from making a decision that's going to ruin my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. do. I do agree with the mini because, uh, like, okay. in my situ my situation, like, I am married. I I've been married twice, and the same same thing. Like, I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna change my mm -hmm. life just because the government says, "Oh, you you shouldn't be married." Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll make that decision, right? Yeah. And exactly. uh, it 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 does suck though. Like uh, that, the government is or the ministry is set up in a way that it 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 assumes that we're not capable of making good decisions for ourselves. Yeah, right? it's based yeah. on a particular yeah. definition of a person yeah. with a disability as if they cannot make any faculty yeah. decisions for themselves, which is my cousin. Mm -hmm. My cousin is stuck that way. My cousin depends on my aunt to make every decision for him. My uh, aunt dies. He gets put into a home. He's 50 years old now. So we're literally hoping that the system, when my aunt dies, is actually going to take care of him until he whatever he died age he dies at it could be 80 it could be 99 it could be like next week we have no mm -hmm. idea we're trusting other people to keep him alive fed and clean and not like sexually abuse him because that can happen for people that are have a disability that are able to have consent and all those other things but for the people that know what the system is and have a good understanding of it know that the like the mm -hmm. The limitations in the disability system of income, assets, marital status are the exact same things that free you from the system. So the way, like the the, the way that um, hero movies know exactly the weakness of the dragon that the the that they're killing, slay the dragon. It's a system. They write, they wrote all the rules. We know all the rules. We don't have to participate and follow any of them. Dragon slayer. Like we also have to deal with the CRA. Like if I earn more income from my business, it was either I do the bare minimum, earn $1,000 a month, or I work my ass off in my business. If you're going to make net profit $12,000 a month, the minute I make $12,000 a, a month in my business from revenue that could happen in my business because of the business plan they forced me to make to have projections of income in my business mm -hmm. means I'm not, on, I'm not on disability for three to four months for right. one month of net profit of $12,000. So 
$1,000, $12,000 a year, or figure out how to make $12,000 a month and tell the government to leave me alone. Mm -hmm. That I don't have to log in. I don't have to declare, did I leave the province for more than 30 days? I don't have to worry about, will they cover my prescriptions? There's so many things that they monitor and control that I don't want them to have that control. And yeah. annoyingly, the disability community and services and everybody, they keep you in the system. Nobody's making a plan or support or services to get you out of the system. <laughs> I'm just hoping this is my uh, exit strategy into uh, being self-sufficient. I just haven't figured out my niche yet because there are so many photographers out there. I just haven't. The light hasn't gone off in my head on how to make my camera really make me money. Like uh, an artist would use a paintbrush. But once I hit it, I'm done with ODSP. I just got to figure out what that is and how to get into a niche market that that maybe has been overlooked. I've you got know, the I, camera to work. But... Well, you know, Ellen. Unless we're talking with a business coach would work like a business coach who actually is actually successful in photography the amount of youtube channels that i would go to to go rev watch a review of a camera equipment like it's it's bigger than just think of it by yourself you don't have to think of everything by yourself like when mm -hmm. i pay for coaching and i'm paying thousands of dollars in coaching or whatever tony robbins event that he has he's a ten thousand dollar event okay, I need to figure out how to make money to save up for that, to do the $10,000 event and then keep the receipts for it because when the caseworker asks for receipts of what I spent on my business, I can tell them, hey, I need to go to this event. It's a third party. They're charging this money because not everything is on social assistance. The amount of thing does not from the government, but people are very, 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 very successful making millions of dollars. Like Richard Branson technically has a disability, but he's a freaking billionaire. There are people with the disability that are making a lot of money and we need to figure out what they're doing. Who are they around? Who are they surrounded? They're not in government assistant programs. Mm -hmm. That, like, I I'm tired of just being in this one-dimensional box when there is a whole 7 billion people on the planet and I'm going to stay in a government assistant program Yeah. when I need to be around the people who are making the six-figure income. Like, Tony Robbins had a person who makes his lawn care business. He's in a wheelchair. But he can mm -hmm. ride a lawnmower. He can fully, he he makes $250,000 US dollars a year in his lawnmower business and he's in a wheelchair. So clearly, uh -oh. we need, we're, we're talking to the wrong people. We're asking the wrong questions because people are doing it. They're not dependent on the system, system at all. They're self sufficient. They're doing it, disability and all, marriage and all, kids and all, all those things. And we're just looking at the one wall limitation. Mm -hmm. You need to look at broader, a broader range. Yeah, I think it's um, so many people yeah. on so many people on uh, disabilities that have disabilities have been. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They've been not coaxed. That's not the word. Um, they've been um, man, not manicured. Um, it's kind of like as what our perception has become. Oh, if you're disabled, you need to be on ODSP or something equivalent at ish or whatever the one in Alberta is. Right. Uh, PWD. We've been conditioned to uh, follow a certain um, narrative. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, that, yeah, and, yeah. And we don't have to. I just don't know yet quite. 
how to turn my camera into thousands of dollars in the in my account every month. Yeah. Once I do, um, I'm in the same boat. Then, I would love to do then that. I'm like, well, I mean, I've got ten thousand dollars with a camera gear, easy, mm-hmm. and that's not even talking about lights. Um, that's literally five lenses in two camera bodies and a full frame that can do weddings. It's just that the I decided not to do weddings because you need to have a very high amount of insurance that you have to carry. And whether yeah, you get you a wedding or not, and I couldn't afford it. Well, also um, just the mobility is the, is the thing that gets. Yeah. You need a car. And I me. don't have a car at the moment. So. Yeah. It well, didn't feel like, right to you know, do I, weddings. You know, I be the wedding singer, you, you know, at the wedding singer, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we do have to kind of wrap up. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think we kind of a- a- answered that question anyway. So that's good. Um, and yeah, so, I think we definitely covered a lot. Ne- so next week we can uh, finish off. And uh, the, the last five are very kind of more open ended and fun. So yeah. Yeah. So it should cool. uh, be a good way to finish off this. The uh, have a part four next week. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. I want to thank all of our panelists today and, and everyone tuning in and listening to us uh, rant and rave and holding the government account. And um, you know, if you uh, if you want to be part of the show, uh, definitely reach out to Neil or myself. Uh, Neil's not on Twitter. I am uh, for now, anyway. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <clears throat> Definitely reach out to me, uh, Weatherman2709 on Twitter. Uh, send me a message, or you can reach out to Neil, and Neil will provide his email address to you. My email address is, uh, it should be on the uh, bottom of the video, and it's also at the end of, it's at the end of every video that we do, or at the end of every podcast that we do, it's right at the end, so... Yeah. yeah, you know, so definitely stay up to date and say like subscribe. And that way, if you, you're not sure what the email is, well, if you subscribe, it's going to pop up and it's going to show you what the email is. And, and they're, they're just, they're just show, I, I, I have these people saying, why, why don't you just tell me your email, Neil? I'm going to get them to look it up so that they have to do more work. Are you going to mention my social media? Yes, sure. Yes. Well, you, you can Definitely. you can go and, and mention you go yours, ahead, uh, Minnie. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actively documenting my journey to financial independence, retire early or retire with dignity, living with a disability. And it's the more I focus on what needs to be done, not what ODSP or any government program is limiting. They're limiting my potential and they mm-hmm. don't know my potential and they don't know where I, the skills and knowledge I had before. So I'm just, I'm focusing on that. Yes, I have to lose weight. I have to take my medication. I have to go to my doctor's office and all the appointments. But for the knowledge and ability I have that's still like workable and accessible, that I need to maximize. I just, I, like, I would love to have one day I'm on the show and ODSP sends me the letter that I have too much assets. I really want the letter I have too much assets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I look forward to having all these uh, further discussions with uh, with uh, with all of you and uh, and and so many more. Like I mean, there's so many stories and so many people that would love to join in on our panel. Um, you can send in your comments if you. We still have room. I mean, there's always there's always room for growth. I mean, for sure, right? And um, hearing stories. I mean, if you want to, you know, come on and 
share your story about personal experience with a as a person with disabilities, either on uh, whatever government uh, programs that you're on, or if you're an entrepreneur, a person with disabilities. Like it doesn't matter if you um, who you are for the person with disability in Canada. Definitely come on and share your stories with us um, and ideas, like ideas going forward. And that's the theme too is um, productive ideas of how. How do we change things going forward? Uh, I mean, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I mean, Minnie's given really great, uh, great uh, lived experience um, scenarios of what she's going through uh, and, and showing all the inadequacies uh, with ODSP in Ontario. And across, I mean, and that's kind of a ripple effect across Canada with any any province. Um, BC people having the, uh, the tools to better their lives in so many ways of making them independent um, away from government supports. And government, see, obviously, we're, we're telling you that what you're doing right now is not working, right? These systems are not working. So work with us. Tell us, what are you going to do for us, right? How are you going to make things better? Are you going to, how are you going to make sure that everybody has a standard of income going forward? Are you going to support a, a GLBI or a, or a UABI um, or whatever it is, any kind of basic income model? I mean, let's, let's all work together. Let, let's work together as a team. Because, um, you know, otherwise, uh, the status quo is not working. Um, I mean, we have a lot of great ideas in, in the disability community across Canada. You just need to learn to listen to us at a, at a table, at the committee table. Um, we tried teaching you about the, uh, the Canada disability benefit, but unfortunately, obviously, it's just um, you just want your people um, with their not lived experience stories, right? Um, yeah, you need to talk to us. So I'm going to get into a whole rant about this. Um, yeah, and I, so my social media is mini on cam. I like it's, hopefully people can see it. It's, mm -hmm. I, I changed the, the Zoom, the Zoom name tag with my mini on cam. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's for me, definitely, like I learned that I became self-employed to not have a boss and a manager, but ODSP has become my boss and my manager. Mm. That is not the point of self-employment. That is not the point of being a business owner. It. I'm supposed to be the owner, not yeah. ODSP. Yeah, you're that, in charge of yourself. You're in charge of yourself. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm, they, the one, I, I'm the one that sure. I'm the one that hunt and kill my income, but I have to tell ODSP what it is. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. not there on the hunt. Why are they? Why do they need to know that I went and hunted and made a thousand dollars? And no, like just just that. Like like I know there's people with a disability that want to function, that want a business, that want to make an income, but. I don't, I don't need an extra system monitoring me. I already have that with TRA taxes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, you're keeping people employed as uh, MJ would say. Yeah. It's too many people. I need yeah. to fire yeah. people. Yeah. And I think yeah. firing ODSP is definitely one of the things I need to do as a business owner is yeah, to, fire, like, to completely fire them. Here, here. Um, I'm sorry, you're fired, letter. <laughs> I know MJ's just jumping in that she wants to say something about that one. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, before we end the segment, I'm just going to quickly pass over to you, MJ, on that one because I know you want to say something. I know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, I mean, this is why, you know, I I'm against all this, this gatekeeping, all these bosses, all these reporting and all the rest of this stuff. You know, I, I truly do believe that if we give people financial education, mm -hmm. right, as a basis of you know, as going in and getting UBI or universally available basic income, they learn about the financial, you know, how to work finances and all the rest of this stuff and how to properly mm -hmm. budget. I think 
that we would actually go and help people get further ahead without having all these people to report to and all this gatekeeping and all of this nonsense Mm -hmm. that gets in the way of people going in and trying to achieve their personal success. Because one of the biggest problems is the gatekeeping that sits there and you got to go, it's always nagging. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to report this. I got to do this. At least with the CRA, you only got to do it once a year, right? Right. But with with all these other government agencies, you're always reporting. I mean, you're always reporting for this, that, and everything else and asking permission and all the rest of this. And I think that, you know, if you give people the right amount of education or the ability to, if they have the ability, that is, because there are a lot of, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there that are disabled that don't have the ability, but Mm -hmm. you give whoever's representing them the ability to go and make the best decisions for them, then I think things would be a lot better all the way around. And it's not just for people that are disabled. It's also veterans and unemployed and all the rest of everybody in between that don't need gatekeepers in the way going and sitting here, figuring out ways to disqualify them from going and getting either permanent assistance or just temporary assistance. And for most people, most people, they truly don't want to be on the system. They don't want to be dealing with a permanent assistance. They don't want it being over their head. All they want is just a, you know, a quick bit of help. And then so they can move forward in life. And Mm -hmm. that's what people truly want. And if society were to give that to them, I think we would see a lot better, uh, you know, a lot less need is if we give people the tools. And I think that's where it really needs to be at. Yeah, I was thinking that because how families are helping their 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 family members with the disability and with my online business and with e-com business and the way the pandemic, a lot of people had to change the way they were earning income. It's very possible that a family member could set up an online business for their family member with a disability and their business partners. And it's in like, and it could like, the way that certain businesses like affiliate marketing or e-com or Amazon FBA or all those things do make people money because when you go to the CRA website and you look at the industry codes, the knock codes, it's reported that like that industry, how much revenue that industry is making Mm -hmm. is just the education. So a lot of people need to not, not call everything a scam. If you never actually made a dollar in that industry, it cannot be a scam. It just, you don't have the knowledge or the skills to do it. And it's not going to come from the employment support, self-employment, small business supports in the ODSP system, because they, if they don't believe online business is viable, they're not going to teach it to you. Like I, I teach online business as, cause it's how I made my first dollar in 2003, 2003, you didn't know the internet could do anything of making you money. But when mm-hmm. that check came in the mail and it was in my name and it cleared at the bank, my, of course you want to make more over and over again. And when people buy me a coffee or like they buy a product or the YouTube partner program, that money is is the reason I'm sitting in this chair. So for me to go and, oh, it's a scam. No, because I have to report CRA, that income for last year, this year on my tax return. Yep. You, you may not be doing it because you don't understand it or don't have figured it out, but I'm doing it. Like when I report my tax return and I put the industry code on my tax return and the forms I fill out, it's from the money from the internet. So we have way more technology. We're not using it. We're not using the services we're just not using the ability that we have to actually tell the government to leave me alone. <laughs> With that being said, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, each and every one of you for coming on today. Um, I look forward to our, uh, our next week's panel. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And 
you know, showing showing what the people's ability, what you're able to do, use the technology to your advantage, and and be your own boss. Be your own boss. Don't don't let don't let the government be your boss because they're they're just over there overseeing these 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 systems that are that are designed to actually suppress people down. And uh, we can we can change that. We need to, to work with the government to teach them that these systems don't need to be the way they are. They don't need to be designed the way they are. Um, exactly what, what you I, I want to learn more online, but I'm definitely uh, I've noticed that with my disability, I'm more hands on. I almost need to be in the same room with a person a right, couple right. times. Like I, I've tried to watch YouTube videos on how to do affiliate marketing and stuff in the past, and I just get I get over stimulated, and then mm -hmm. I shut down and I go watch something else. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to understand the whole marketing and the whole online affiliate marketing stuff. I just haven't figured out my my DIY hack on how to absorb it. I can't sponge it in yet. There's some tripwire that's hitting me mentally, and I don't quite know, but I'm not far off. I'm just like stuck. You'll, you'll MacGyver it some. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, this yeah. thing, I understand. I understand this thing. I yeah. just got to figure out how to make it money. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, it's been a great show. Next week um, we'll talk. We'll talk about uh, pink unicorns to finish off the. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about pink unicorns. Off, uh, off. This pink unicorn right here, everyone. Yeah, this one right here. This culprit right here. Well, tune That's in next week for pink unicorns. Yes. Yeah. And until then, thanks, thanks everyone for tuning in today. Thanks everyone. Thanks.